Hi, this is Gerard Christopher, and you're listening to the All-Star Superfan Podcast. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we know what's happening. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we cover everything. Hi, Superfans. Welcome once again to All-Star Superfan, the podcast that explores the full 80-plus year legacy of the Man of Steel, from comic books to animation, from radio serials to live-action television and film, both old and new. I am one of your hosts, Alan Burke, and as always, I'm joined by the second half of this Metropolis-based dynamic duo, the Capital Crusader himself, Mr. Rob O'Connor. Hi, Rob. You know what I could do with a single strand of Superman's hair? <laughs> uh, I'm really looking forward to getting into uh, another solo episode. Um, I'll just throw out the, the socials before we start. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at All Star Superfan and on Twitter at All Star Superpod. You can also reach us with your thoughts and opinions by emailing allstarsuperpod at gmail.com and be in with the chance of having your email read live on air. And we could really do with those reviews, folks. So if you can spare a few minutes of your time to rate us on whichever platform you listen to the show, we'd very much appreciate it. Um, how have you been keeping, Rob? I have been keeping uh, very well, Alan. Thank you very much. Consuming uh, some Superman content, a lot of other sort of superhero bits and pieces. Just finished The Boys. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, oh, yeah. Despite <laughs> Homelander being exactly the kind of depiction of a Superman-esque <laughs> character that I, I don't typically care for. It's just done so well in that show. It's been a kick-ass series. Um, other than that, been reading a lot of Superman comics, actually. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. Yeah, lo- lots of lots of fun little superhero bits. And um, I'm really looking forward to getting into the, into the um, our, our topic tonight, which is kind of... Uh, it's we we wanted to kind of take it at a different angle than just talking about Superman seventy eight, and we we ended mm-hmm. up talking about some of the kind of the older books and stuff as well. Um, now we were meant to have Martin on the kind of the Martin Lake and was yes. our guest. We were meant to have on tonight. We had a little bit of scheduling between me having to reschedule yesterday and him being unavailable tonight. But we'll hopefully have Martin on again for another episode soon. Um, but yeah, it's it's I, I've never read I never read the Christopher Reeve comic books until un, until recently. But uh, have, did you grow up with them or? Um, it's an interesting question. I did not. Uh, my first experience with these kind of tie-in um, adaptations was I was in Toronto in two thousand and ten, and I was in a comic book shop, and I found a copy of Superman for the Quest for Peace. Uh, comic book adaptation for 99 cents and i thought wow oh my god i cannot believe my luck i couldn't believe that i found this like i i thought this was like an extremely rare comic um and it was amazing and i knew the history behind it as well i knew that it was like it had all the extra scenes it had all the extra content that wasn't in the theatrical cut so i couldn't believe my luck when i found it i yeah. uh, went home read it loved it we'll talk about that i never read the um superman 3 one though i i i think i might have read it online at some point but i definitely never owned it until recently i just got a copy of it there uh on ebay for about 10 euro or something like that and it's it's also great i'm looking forward to talking about that but i have more of an experience with the superman 4 one yeah definitely yeah, and I learned, I, I didn't even know these existed growing up because, you know, comic books are so weird. We've spoken about it before on the show. Um, and I, I, I have a funny feeling there's listeners out there who don't even know that there's a Superman 3 and Superman 4. Uh, Quite possibly, book, yeah, definitely. You know, 
that they think maybe the Superman 78 is the, is the first comic book kind of with Christopher Reeves, you know, set in the Donnerverse as such. Um, I was actually told, name drop, I was actually told about Superman 3, the comic book, by John Wesley Shipp. Wow. Um, in person, because I got John at DCC, Dublin Comic Con, a couple of years ago to sign uh, the Flash comic book with the live action cover. And I remember when I handed it to him, he was like, oh, the funny thing about this is it's the it's the second live action DC superhero uh, comic book since the Superman 3 comic book. Oh. And I was like, uh, I didn't realize it was Superman 3, first of all. But then I, I found out subsequently that he's wrong because obviously the Superboy well. um, comic <laughs> books have live action covers and stuff as well. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> whether, you, whether we count them or not, I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was I was. I, that, that piqued my interest I remember thinking back over that I was like Jesus that Superman so I, I ended up picking it up I got it on eBay I think I got it pretty cheap And but I, I never even looked up whether there was a, a 1, a 2 or a 4 until you mentioned the 4 to me and I mm. got it uh, I got a, a, a copy of it a couple of months ago and that's what kind of what, what led into, into into this week so um, yeah, I we just get into it and, and chat about them. I think we'll chat about them. Then we're going to we're going to talk about the new seventy eight. I think you have a lot to say about the new seventy eight book as well. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, yeah, we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get into we good, good and bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, go, yeah, no, a lot to yeah. say definitely. So, so Superman 3 was released in 1983. Uh, it was a story adapted by Carrie Bates with art by Kurt Swan and Sam Sam Amendola. I, I knew I was going to struggle to pronounce that. Uh, first off the bat, what a great team. I mean, art by Kurt Swan on, yeah. a, on a Donner kind of verse, you know, Christopher Reeve. Um, I, I'm going to keep saying Donner verse, even though I know what uh, Richard Donner had nothing to do with 3. But, you know, nothing you know to what do I mean? With this, that, yeah. you, nothing to do with it. But that universe, the Reeve, we'll just call it the the Reeve universe as we're going forward. Yes. I mean, what a great, what a great team. Um, And it follows the film very closely. And what I really liked about it was it it trims away a lot of the fat. A lot of the things that I don't like about the film are completely gotten rid of in this. Like, yeah. Um, that infamous opening scene, mm-hmm. you know, that goes against the grain of all the other uh, films with the with the slapstick comedy and the you know the penguin, the toy penguins going on fire and the 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 blind man falling down the hole and all that kind of stuff. All of that is completely removed straight away, and we jump straight in with uh, we jump straight in with the with the with the car crash. The 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 chap, the driver of the car, is drowning in the car because he kind of crashed into a fire hydrant into a fire hydrant, and Superman jumps out of the photo booth comes to the rescue and we're straight into the action and reading it i was like god damn it i wish the film had started like this <laughs> yeah but even before even before that alan even before you well i mean you get gus gorman in the unemployment officer but even before that again you get this beautiful splash page that skips to uh much later in the story where clark is punching the evil superman in the scrapyard and it has this big caption yeah. underneath that says oh, yeah that's right I have met the enemy and he is me. And and it has Clark punching and it doesn't explain what it is or anything like that. And that is so typical of a <laughs> silver or bronze age story that they would they, they would have this big splash page explaining roughly what the the ultimate goal of the story is. And then they would kind of bring you up to speed on page two. Uh, and it just it just serves to show that like yeah. a lot of people have said Superman three is very typical of the kinds of weird stories you'd get in the Silver Age and the Bronze Age. And when you're reading this comic, it just feels like a comic from the Silver Age or the Bronze Age. And it reads really well, really well. Like it's, 
it's such a fun comic absolutely I was I was shocked by that I was shocked by that as well and I, I've always said I've always said that Superman 3 is kind of the most Silver Age comic accurate book you know um, and yeah absolutely it's it's stunning uh, my first question to you in relation to it is the likenesses <laughs> <laughs> what or is your th- your thoughts on the likenesses or lack thereof? Well, I was going to say, oh, well, they obviously just didn't have likeness rights or whatever. But then you look at some of the the images of Ross Webster played by Robert yeah. Vaughn. And it's like, oh, wow. No, no. Hang on a second. They, they must have because he's drawn exactly like Robert Vaughn. And there's a couple of a couple of panels where you're like, oh, well, that's just Robert Vaughn. But then you look at Gus Gorman <laughs> and it's just this generic, you know, African-American yeah. character with this huge afro. He doesn't look anything like Richard Pryor. <laughs> so I I don't know. And then a Superman real kind of a tough like, guy, almost like a Mr. T character almost. Yeah. Yeah. And then you look at Superman and like he doesn't he doesn't quite look like just generic Bronze Age Superman. He definitely doesn't look like Christopher Reeve though, and it's kind of just this no. weird sort of more youthful maybe version of the Kurt Swan Superman. Um but a lot of times he does just sort of look like generic Bronze Age Superman. I don't know. But I mean, they were trying, I guess. They were they were doing something. But then, like, it's strange because Superman doesn't really look like the Christopher Reeve Superman, like you said. But the Clark no. Kent kind of does look like the Christopher Reeve Clark Kent. Yeah. And, like, you could... I don't know. Like, uh, Vera, um, uh, Ross's sister, looks like Vera from the show, but then Lana looks completely different as well. Jimmy is much more comic book accurate mm. as well. Um, yeah, it's it's a strange, it's kind of, it is strange, but like Robert Vaughn, like you said, he is exactly like he is in the film. He looks, you could pick him out a mile away. He looks exactly like that character. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny actually, yeah. when you look at Superman in some panels, he almost looks more like the Superboy of the era. I again can't go, can't go a single episode without mentioning Superboy. But in this case, I'm specifically talking about the actual comic book character Superboy from kind of Bronze Silver Age comics. He he yeah. just because because he's drawn that more youthful style. Like he it it's still Super Christopher Reeve in his twenties. I think he was still yeah. Was he twenty nine? Would have been. He age? was he was what twenty six when he filmed one. So what's that? This would have been six years later. He'd be about oh thirty two then. Thir- thir- thirty two ish around yeah, here. But so, yeah. still still maybe a little bit more youthful than Superman of the comics, where he's typically yeah. kind of thirty nine. Like this is a man in his early thirties. Like and he is drawn that way. And I I got something of a super boy vibe off him in some bits. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean it's Kurt Swan. Like you know the art's gonna be good. Yeah. Like you know. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, across the board, he just does a good job. The, 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 you know, it's interesting with these adaptations. Like, I, I often think the most interesting thing about these comic book adaptations is what they leave out. And in this case, yeah. I, I don't know that they have left much of anything out. Like, it's kind of all in there, isn't it? Yeah, but in saying that in relation to the likenesses, Rob, uh, I have I have one thing to highlight. It's what I like to call werewolf hands. Oh, Oh God! Which appear in numerous panels throughout the comic book here uh, is is Gus Gorman's werewolf hands. So I have to say I don't know what's going on there. This, this is a touch <laughs> problematic. I, I I think it warrants a mention though. It's that whoever inked this comic, uh, the, the, Gus Gorman is shown typing frantically a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. And the way they do this is by just putting loads of detail on his hands, and it just makes this it, it makes it look like there's this scratchiness Here. all over his hands yeah. and it just ends up looking like as alan said because of the man's black skin 
And because of the ink, the peculiar inking, it just makes it look like he's got big hairy hands and he looks like a Because I remember I, I, I messaged you and I was like, what's the story with the werewolf hands in, in, in the book? But like, like I'm saying, like, I'm really impressed by it because all of the things that I don't like about Superman 3, and there are a lot of things I don't like about it, even though it's, it's arguably my favorite Superman movie. Um are all are all kind of gone from here like you were saying there that you know there, there's not a lot kind of taken out but there's so much kind of redundant stuff just gone yep. and they're straight into the action like you go straight from the you know the, we, ha- we have the whole scene of clark and lois in the daily planet with jimmy and perry and you know clark pulls out the jumper and that with the s on it like he does in the movie mm. and then we're straight into the chemical plant fire they're on the bus they stop he's changed into superman you know after he's told about the fire he's straight in saving people loads of action you know you yeah we have all the dialogue uh, about the about the acid and what's going to happen mm-hmm. if that if the acid heats up you have jimmy breaking his leg falling and breaking his leg uh, superman saving him and then we have the whole um the, the just like in the film you know he freezes the 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 lake or a portion of the lake and drops it to, to extinguish the fire and we're straight into the dance again and it's so it's it it it's the first half of the book, I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. I really thought they took their time. They cut out what they needed to cut out. All the slapstick, like I said, is gone. Like the scene where, uh, like, you know, s- silly stuff, like even stuff Christopher Reeve didn't like, you know, Gus Gorman falling off the roof on the skis. Like that's gone. <laughs> or Gus um, Gorman arriving in Smallville, looking at the Colonel Saunders outfit in the window and going, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, like that 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 whole sequence is is completely removed from the from the film of him you know setting up the bar trying to trick brad wilson into getting drunk getting drunk himself there's no vodka in it (laughs) we're in big trouble are we i said we're in big trouble flat tire on the highway (laughs) had to fix it with these little pinkies i mean if i don't get this order set up tonight the boss is gonna be peeved he's gonna be peeved you gotta let me in. I gotta set this order up tonight. Do you have that in front of you? No. Are you, are you I, in previous that? episodes, I have had it in front of me, but right now I'm doing this off the cuff. As you can probably tell, Alan, part of the charm of Superman Three for me is the ridiculous attempts at humor. Just the weird, yeah, like disparate attempts at like using this comedic force of nature they had <laughs> by giving this weird material to him and making him work with it. And I, I think there's so many scenes in Superman 3 where it's just so bad, it's great for me. Like yeah. the scene of Gus Gorman and Brad Wilson just getting plastered in this Websco, like, you know, reception. And they're arguing about the contents of a Singapore sling. What has that got to do with Superman? <laughs> but yes, You like, thought I was drunk scene. too, didn't you? <laughs> they, they, keep, they keep the scene. I want of, a comic um, book adaptation of that. Sorry, go on. Of, of 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 just that. Just them getting drunk. And they keep the scene in of of uh, Ricky and Clark and Lana bowling and yes. Brad coming over and being a you know jackass or whatever. Clark breaking like like that's a silly scene. They keep that in, but again they trim away all the fat. You know you don't see the machinations of Gus coming up with a plan of how he's going to you know rob you know twenty cents here and thirty cents there or whatever. Oh yeah, he you just don't. does it. Yeah. No, there's no, there's no conversation with his with his colleague. There's not no him collecting the check, nothing like that. They just shoot straight to the scene where uh, Ross is talking to, uh, basically calls him up, calls him up to the office um, after he discovers that he's driving around in a sports car after talking to the the elderly gentleman who who appears in the film, 
and you know he confronts Simpson. Us. Simpson, yeah, who I think is actually an extra in Superman the movie as well. I'd well I could be wrong it, yeah. about that. I think so. Um, or Superman two, anyway. But yeah, and you know, sorry, can I, can I do one more quote and then we'll move on? Yeah, absolutely. In my day, when someone wanted to steal all your money, he'd come in with a gun and say, "Stick him up." <laughs> now they get these blasted computers to do their dirty work. <laughs> now, Simpson, that's because you are yesterday. Whoever pulled off this caper is tomorrow. And that's exactly it. And like we have all that in here. You go straight to talking to Gus. You go straight to the whole thing about the, the weather satellite. They kind of even explain that a little bit more. Um, yes, how that's going to work. Yeah. Um, we have Gus going straight to like a WebSco subsidiary company and just you know uh, tapping into the computer to hack into the into the satellite. And we're we're straight into like the picnic stuff. All all great stuff. The save like. I really think they did a great job of just of just capturing everything that you needed to capture from the film and dropping what you didn't need. Um, I don't know. I, I think they should have had Superman eating dog food at the picnic scene. I, I just I feel like they should have <laughs> included <laughs> that. <laughs> Doggy. And the only thing reading through it that I was like, oh, they did it again is that just like the film where they talk about Superman doing all these amazing things. Oh, yeah. In the comic book, again, they don't show him doing these amazing things. Again, they show Gus explaining it to Ross. Um, this time, not on a ski slope on top of a building. He was flying! <laughs> and he was great! <laughs> did it, did And I'm looking at the dialogue here, like, oh, and I saw him rapping. I saw him rapping himself in the blank, and I was like, oh, they're going to do the the off the roof thing, and then they don't. <laughs> they just don't do it. And then you know, you know, when you're in the in the men's room and they got the dryer, and you put your hands on it, and it's like, whoosh. well, he did this, and it, it came out of his eyes, right? It was like like that. <laughs> My favorite quote Sorry, is guys. by now all the people's is cheering and yelling, super ombre, super ombre. <laughs> <laughs> Um, did it, it did. <laughs> I, I was very upset. We're straight then into uh, the the Superman Day in Smallville, the whole thing. And again, I think a missed opportunity. I would have liked to have seen the kryptonite being colored red or, you know, yes. in, in, in this version. Yep. I think it would have made up for that, that silly thing where it looks exactly like kryptonite and Superman isn't like, hey. And I always wondered what Gus's plan was in this as well. Because like, if you handed him a chunk of kryptonite and he just started dying, yeah. people would just remove the kryptonite. He was just there for 20 minutes waiting for him to die. <laughs> like, how, how does that work? In front of, you know, 2,000 2, people. Um, and then we're straight into the, the bad Superman stuff. And we skip. We One of the things that they cut, which is a scene, I can understand why they cut it from the comic book, is what I like to call creepy horny superman in lana's house sorry we, we skipped we skipped the most important uh most important we'll go on uh, which is um uh the, the bit where he has to ring goes or he has to ring ross and explain oh, yeah. uh, uh we gave him the kryptonite and he didn't die superman didn't die. you have to do it now you have to you have to do it i asked you to kill superman and you're telling me you couldn't even do that one simple thing <laughs> which is a great line and it is in, in, in fairness it is in the comic they, they don't include they the do. caption word for word they don't include the caption of Ross Webster holding the phone and then dropping the phone which is no. just painfully iconic to me but there's it, no explanation of you know the way Gus talks about you know how the secret recipe in, in the KFC and the chicken yes and how sometimes <laughs> they don't know the, <laughs> you know because it's all oh known. I think I'll watch it in my three later on Alan I'm not going to lie <laughs> 
I have a take and it, it doesn't make any sense because it, the, the film came out before John Byrne and, and, and um, I think I know where you're going with this and I agree that Ross is almost the post-crisis Lex Luthor whereas Gene is the pre-crisis Lex Luthor which does make sense because the crisis hadn't happened yet but I think they think? I think both of them informed the po- I'm, much as Marv Wolfman might disagree and he literally did on an episode that's going to be released soon uh, I think both Gene Hackman and Ross Webster informed the post-crisis Lex Luthor because Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor is obsessed with land. He's obsessed with commerce. Mm-hmm. He's obsessed with capitalism. He's obsessed with finance and owning things. And, you know, all these things, all these things that like megalomaniac Lex, as we know him today, is obsessed with. Whereas if you yeah. go back and read Bronze Age, Silver Age, Lex was just this mad scientist. He did like he, he was kind of a master criminal, but it wasn't this huge thing that it was in the movie. Whereas in the movie, yeah. he's a Bond villain. And in 80s comics, he's a Bond villain. And then definitely with Ross Webster, you know, he's this big corporate villain and they play into that a lot in the movie. And so I, I think they both informed yeah. Lex. But yeah, no, definitely. I mostly agree with you. Yeah. And then this is the point where I think the book kind of starts to drop off a little bit. I, I, it, it feels to me like they felt rushed, that they didn't have enough time to tell the full story. And... It, the rest of the book is just a race through the end of the film, I thought. Did you get that impression? Or? Um, it, it wasn't really on my mind, but now that you say it, I, I can definitely see that. I, I do feel like evil Superman like happens and is finished within a couple of pages. And uh, yeah. it feels like there could have been more. And it, it kind of feels like this in the movie, to be honest. There could have been more of a moment where we realize that Superman has turned evil. Whereas... yeah. There's a lot of just kind of like Superman flying around and doing evil things. And you're like, oh, wait, hang on, what? Whereas it, it would have been nice to have a moment like that, you know, not everybody's favorite movie. But in Spider-Man 3, there's definitely a definitive moment where you see the symbiote take over. And you're like, OK, something's wrong here now, you know. Um, yeah. there's, there, there's no moment of that. And it's it's even less so in, in the comic book adaptation, I think. And, and yeah, to your point, I think they probably do rush through stuff a lot. Um, we're we're, we're kind of we're straight into the you know evil superman stuff yeah. they didn't really do the costume thing the costume doesn't change no in, in in the comic book version which i was a little bit disappointed by they give him a tyler hecklin style uh <laughs> kind of five yeah. o'clock shadow and they just call it a day at that don't they and he's straight into his shenanigans at the tower at the leaning tower of pisa um we have oh, superman oh! <laughs> We have we have Ross uh, we have Gus going to Ross and explaining about the computer and how you know it'll do anything that you tell me to do it for you. Uh, we have the whole thing with the with the oil tankers all kept in it, and I I was surprised. I thought they might cut out horny Superman, yes. horny evil Superman, but they kept that in. Did they? Yeah, they did. He, so There's he a meets, scene of him um, with Lorelai on the <clears throat> Statue of Liberty, but is there a sexy scene? Well, she says to him, and I quote, um, "Let me find it here." Uh, he says, I'm in no rush. So what are you doing up here? Just what is it you have in mind? And she says, lots of things. And he says, tell me. And she replies, I'll do more than tell you. I'll show you back at my place. So it's definitely that uh, sexy times are afoot. Um, and then he goes, insinuates he does the Insinuates, but we don't. Insinuates. We don't get the scene where Superman lands back at the Apres Ski no. Lodge and leans in for the lovemaking, which has always been a very strange scene for a Superman movie. Yeah, very strange. 
Um, we have the scene there where he, where he um, attacks the oil tanker, all the oil spills in, and then we're straight into Lana's in Metropolis with Ricky. So we don't have the phone call with Brad and, you know, what's what else do you have in Smallville, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, Ricky is shouting at him. He's not in the bar. He's just walking down the street and he's kind of shouting at the crowd. He flies off and we're straight into the junkyard battle, which is done a little bit differently in the comic book. Um in terms of the fact that well number one he doesn't really kill him at the end it's it's quick it's kind of a really quick synopsis of it um it doesn't really have the weight that it does in the film i don't think but yeah clark kent the the good version of kalal doesn't in the film he kind of strangles the, the the evil version until he disappears and then he's superman in this in this way they kind of forge back together they're the complete being yeah if anything I kind of liked how they just made it so clear what was actually happening mm. here. I feel like if I'd read this as a kid, that scene may have made a little bit more sense to me. Whereas yeah. I feel like I didn't fully understand that scene until I was a little bit older. Uh, I feel like the only reason they don't show him strangling him is because they can't do that in a comic the way they can do it in a movie. It's just a little bit kind of, I don't know if we can do this, you know. But even looking back at the movie, it's, it's, ah, it's a bit violent. It's a bit violent for the film. And uh, look, growing up as a kid watching it, I was never like, oh my God, he murdered evil Superman. Yeah. I kind of always got the, the symbolism yeah, of yeah. the scene. And the fact that he just still. disappears like a force ghost, it's it's a little bit more kind of, it doesn't feel like he snapped Zod's neck. like you know. Yeah, he doesn't leave his cold dead corpse <laughs> in the bottom of the junkyard. That would have been, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, he, he immediately... No, but Alan, he had no other choice. He had to stop him. What else could he have done? What's like, what, what, why are you being so judgmental? Years of practice. <laughs> um, like, I like it. The whole evil Superman thing is like three pages. Yeah. It's, I found it very rushed. Mm-hmm. But look, that's not fair. It's, it's more than three pages. It's like eight or nine pages. But still, I just thought it was very, very rushed. Um, <clears throat> so then we are straight into uh, Christopher Reeve flying to uh, Lorelei's base or, or the, the office building. He's told by Vera where they are, and we're straight into him being blasted away with rockets in the uh, in the Grand Canyon. Um, and then we have the climactic uh, final battle, which is pretty much faithful to the film. Totally, uh, with Superman, with Superman and the computer and the bubble, and you know the the ex uh, the kryptonite cannon, and uh, Gus kind of realizing that he doesn't want to go down history as the man who killed Superman. Um, or as they say here, the man who invented the computer that kills Superman, yeah. which doesn't really run off the no. tongue in the same way. And we have the whole thing with the screw, uh, the, you know, the computer that is kind of a, I, I always thought of it as kind of like a, a brainiac substitute, but um, I know it's not really. And yeah, it's pretty much runs. The only thing I found that was a, a, a good bit different in relation to it was the whole Vera uh, cyborg thing. I mean, I really got more of a, I think there's even a, a, a line in here. I was going to say I got a Star Trek Borg kind of yep. vibe from it. Like that the computer, the, the whole plan here is that the computer is going to enslave the entire human race by turning them, in, turning them into cyborgs. And even, I'm, I'm almost sure there's a line in here that says resistance is futile. There is a line, I'm looking at it right now, Alan. There is a line that says to resist is futile, Superman. Yeah. Like, so there you have it. And again, you know, it's it's this is what five, six years more. I think this is a f- six years before the Borg. I think this is a full ten years. The Borg was season three of Next Gen. Next Gen started in eighty seven, so that's nineteen ninety. No, so it's seven years. Yeah, 
seven years before but it, it it gives more kind of you don't i never got that feeling watching the uh the film that that's what the what was going on here no. that he was going to he was going to kind of enslave the human race as machines and stuff and then we get you know it wraps up the exact same way uh, superman goes and gets the acid brings it in it heats up and then suddenly you go from you're being in the middle of the battle to the, the to the following page the computer blows up superman fixes the the tower and the leaning therapies and he flies off and it's kind of just wrapped up i just found a little bit too quickly yeah i mean that there's an element to that i i uh, to be honest in those final few pages i was mostly just impressed at how well they managed to capture the look of the supercomputer and all of those scenes that that they do look very similar and i'm I'm sure this was probably written in tandem with the production of the movie, maybe they just had access to a lot of production materials and, and stills and stuff like that. You know, definitely spoilers wasn't a thing back then. So, you know, that they were probably able to just literally send them rushes of the movie. I don't know. But uh, that, that was kind of what ran with me. Um, there's no kind of final scene with Lana or anything like that. They, it just no. it does just kind of end. But like, I mean, it is 48 pages. Like, I, I, I might be terribly wrong in this, but I feel like a lot of the comic book adaptations I grew up with were like, you know, maybe 30 pages. Like, they, they, they yeah. really just had to jam the movie in. Like, I remember... I remember the X-Men comic book adaptation. Did you ever read that one? The one from the first? No, no. I was I was never a big X-Men guy other than the, the, the 90s cartoon. Yeah, so, so the one that came out for the first movie, which was a big deal for me and my childhood, and I really got into X-Men around the time of that movie. I, I always remember it, it rushes through the movie and th- there's there's that whole subplot in the movie where Jean isn't able to use Cerebro because her powers aren't advanced enough and yeah. uh, if she does it, it could kill her and all this. And like, like they spend a lot of time explaining this in the movie and uh, and then in the comic, it's like literally one panel. It's like, oh, everyone, we managed to reprogram Cerebro so now I can use it and I know where Magneto's going. <laughs> you know, like just stuff like that. Right. Whereas in this, they they kind of have everything in there like it's it, there's nothing i didn't no, feel like there was the, anything I, majorly missing from this and you know what like i, I was criticizing it when i read it I, I i just i really enjoyed the first half and then the second half i was like oh it's we're, we're really flying through it now yeah. but when you think about the evil superman stuff in the film like he doesn't do a hell of a lot either like you know the only thing they left out of the comic book really is him blowing out the torch, the torch at the olympics yeah 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 like and him sitting in the bar and wasn't there Besides, there was a few new things they introduced that they, they 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 have a panel where it's all like daily planet headlines yeah there's one oh, a couple of newspapers there let me just i have it here on the on the on my tablet oh yeah here we go uh sky graffiti superman blamed yeah that's one uh tap dancing superman causes earthquake i like that one <laughs> i wanted to see that one um but yeah it's like looking back on it, to be fair, like you said, forty-eight pages. There's, there's not really anything. Like they did a really good job of adapting it into a comic book. I think and so. I think, to be honest, like I said at the start, all the the stupid stuff that I hate, you know, like the the traffic light guys fighting each other and all that silliness, is all completely removed. Lana is kind of um, done a little bit dirty in this. I think she's not really yeah. doesn't have the, the the characterization and the weight that her role has in the film. But other than that, yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's good. And then you know, you get to the final pages. You got a big picture of Christopher Reeve there, sitting yeah. with the Superman. Um, at the Superman celebrations in Smallville and then one of the most iconic and I don't care what anybody says about the film one of the most iconic shirt rips of all time is is uh, Christopher Reeve after the junkyard fight yeah um, that's actually the image that I got um, framed with my Christopher Reeve autograph it's just I think it's a, an amazing and Christopher Reeve never looked better than he did in this film no nope, nope, completely agree with that role. so um, do you want to rate it do you want to give it a rating 
I mean, for me, the, the only thing I would criticize really is that it doesn't contain any of the weird, goofy, so bad it's good humor that's that I love about Superman 3. I've grown to love all that stuff and... Cut it all out. Get rid of it. Yeah, like for, for me, <laughs> Superman 3 is just a weird kind of 70s TV movie without that stuff. Like it's the weird, yeah. crazy, bizarre humor that sort of makes it a movie for me. Um, so yeah, I, it's definitely one of the better comic book adaptations I've read. I mean, four yeah. out of five, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. Like, would you recommend it? If you are a fan of Superman 3, I would recommend it emphatically. If you are not a fan of Superman 3, this is not going to change your mind about that movie. What if you weren't a fan of Superman 3, but you were a fan of comic books at that time? Uh, okay, yeah, that's... I Yeah, I think this reads like a fairly average to... Yeah, average. It's a, it, it reads like a fairly average kind of run-of-the-mill Superman comic of that time, I would say. Cool. Cool. So will we move on? I think so. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So the next uh, the next book we have then is the Superman Four: The Quest for Peace uh, movie tie-in comic, uh, which was released back in 1987. And and like you said, Rob, you kind of read this years ago and liked it. And yeah, yeah, it's it's good. And again, a lot of the uh, a lot of the stuff that I liked about the the Superman Three comic, I like about this too. Yeah. Um, I think it kind of it, it tells the story very well it cuts out a lot of the fat um, I mean it's really concise that there's some changes made that I really liked like obviously we have the, the whole uh, cosmonaut uh, rescue is is the kind of the splash page at the at the start of this comic and again just because uh, I didn't mention it again it's art again by Kurt Swan and that so you can't yeah. fault it and then we're straight and, into and, Clark and, back. and crucially what? though Alan the, 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 the key selling point for this comic book adaptation is everything you may have heard about Superman 4 and the longer whatever it is yeah. 120 minute cut whatever it is like all that extra material is in this comic book adaptation like it's it's all there so if you're wondering about a Sid, release the Sidney J Fury cut which is like a niche within a niche within a niche on Twitter like there are people fighting for that and God bless them if you were wondering what that movie is, here it is. You can you can read it. So that that that's the yeah. main reason to read this comic book adaptation. Yeah, like all those deleted scenes, all those you know, um, uh, release the Fury cut stuff. Like it's 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 all here. Um, if you want to see and how it, how the film would have flowed if those scenes hadn't been cut, if the budget hadn't been cut, and you really give and it, it, that that's the thing that I came away from with this was that you really see what they were what they were going for yep. and what they were trying for and what they were aiming for and what their objectives were and how much of a better film it would have been yeah. <laughs> if the budget hadn't have been cut. It definitely would have been better than it, what we it got. It definitely would have been better. Whether it would have actually yeah. been a good film. Been a great movie, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, like, but like small changes here. Like you have Clark Kent uh, on, on the Smallville farm and it's Jor-El speaking to him um from the from the ship unlike the superman 4 where i think it was was it susanna york again i think it was, was the it voice of susanna york and i actually think i don't know if it was ever going to actually be jor-el i know there is some huh. there is some deleted material with jor-el and it's like a marlon brando sound alike and it sounds terrible but oh, i right, don't okay. know if it was ever the intention that jor-el would be speaking to him here maybe it was maybe they were going to use that sound alike and they thought oh god let's just get susanna york i'm not sure but yeah. um yeah i i feel like there are some interesting deviations in this comic as well where they they made decisions to make it better and we can talk okay. about that and i feel like this might be one of them 
Okay. And again, in terms of, like we spoke about the, the last comic book, the likenesses. The likeness, Jesus. There's no likenesses in this book Not at all. This Everybody looks different. Yeah. And Lacey Warfield is, I don't know what they were doing. I'll, I'll bring it up when, when we show her, when we get to her later on. Um, but yeah, like we have this fun little scene that's not in the film and I don't know if it was in the original script where you have kind of Superman is late for work he shoots out of bed you can see this I love those panels I always love those kind of art panels where they show him changing in one panel yep. from, from Clark Kent to, and he's not even changing in Superman here he's just changing from pajamas Clark Kent into dress Clark Kent yep. and I still love it he's, he's down the subway and then like in the film we have you know the conductor has the heart attack he goes into the phone booth, he changes, he flies after the, the um, train. We have no interaction really with Lois here other than she's in the train <coughs> and he stops it the exact same way he does in the film. Can I drop and a small bit of trivia? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just looking at that page here and we see that Clark is in the Clinton Avenue uh, subway. That's right, I see that, yeah. Uh, Clinton Avenue is where Clark Kent's apartment was in the uh, John Byrne era of comics. So there we go. Wow. Deep cut. Deep cut. Very good. Oh, and um, also, I forgot to mention this. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. In the Superman 3 comic, we see the Daily Planet building has a big G on it. Did you understand the significance of that? I did. I, I noticed that. That's that... Um the news corporate, the corporation who would bought the Daily Planet, am I right? Um, yeah. So in I can't think of them. in the late seventies, early eighties, in, in the mainstream DC comics, uh, Galaxy Broadcasting, owned Galaxy. by Morgan Edge, had bought out the Daily Planet, and they recruited Clark to be a newsreader. So that was kind of the status quo in the in the normal comics of the time. But they decided to fold that into the movie universe as well, which is kind of confusing. But I also kind of liked it as a nice little timestamp of when the comic was written. So yeah, and I like. Like again, they do a good job. They keep, you know, like the silliness of it is is still there. Mm -hmm. Like that whole jailbreak scene, which is ridiculous in the film, is ridiculous here too. We get into the meeting with um, Lacey and her father and Perry again, just like the film, uh, where you know you can kind of tell the way that that their intentions for the Warfield's intentions for the Daily Planet and everybody's, you know, kind of kicking up a fuss over it. And Clark Kent approaches Lacey about it. We've got um, Ricky. No, not Ricky. Uh, Jeremy. I, I always, I always mix get them up. <laughs> yeah, Ricky and Jeremy. Um, so we have we have Jeremy writing the letter in school. I'll tell you we something. Have, do something good. <laughs> we have uh, Clark and uh, Lenny. Lu or sorry, we have Lex and Lenny Luthor again going to the Metropolis Museum, stealing uh, Superman's hair. Look at two pen flies. Sorry, I'm I'm so sorry, Alan. It's it's an involuntary <laughs> response. Okay. <laughs> Superman Tourette's. <laughs> um, and then we're into. We're, we're, we're kind of into the whole scene that we didn't get from the film that we didn't see that I think was actually filmed yep. where Christopher Reeve, the Superman, goes to the school and uh, basically tells uh, Jeremy to get lost, that he's not going to do anything to help him. I'm almost positive that this is on the DVD, I think. This is one of the scenes that you can actually watch as a deleted scene on the DVD. I might be wrong. But I think I definitely I, I definitely have a, an image in my head of Christopher Reeve flying along the window at the side of the school. Yeah. So I'd say you're probably right. Or, or if it isn't uh, on the DVD, mm -hmm. then there is still images that we've seen of this scene. That might be it. Of that, 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 that could be it. And like Jeremy, like he explains he can't, you know, he, he took an oath or he, he's vowed not to interfere with, you know, human progress or whatever. And all the kids are kind of laughing at Jeremy. And Jeremy says he doesn't understand. Then we are into the gold, the solid gold. We're into Nuclear Man 1. Now, not gold because it's good, but gold because, you know, this is what everybody wants to see. It's a piece of history. Is, yeah, it's like, you know, a piece of history. The, the, the scenes of the film that were filmed, that were cut, that everybody wants to get put back in. 
um, reading these scenes, I really don't think they'd improve the film. I agree completely. I think we mentioned it on the Martin Lakin episode. I, I'm, Nuclear Man 1, like, I understand why people want to, I, it's one of those things where it's like, no, this actually is convoluted. Like, there was no need for this and yeah. it wouldn't make the film better. Like, I, I He's basically a Frankenstein character. Yeah, he's kind of bizarro, like, but yeah. then just make him bizarro. Like, you know the way, or, or like, I think, I was thinking about it reading this. I was like, do you know what the big problem with Nuclear Man 1 is? It just should have been the same actor. Yeah. Like, if they just kept the same actor and then, so for anyone who doesn't know, what happens is Lex makes Nuclear Man 1. He goes to the Metro Club where Clark and Lacey are on their kind of sexy date and they're dancing on the 80s dance floor or whatever. He he creates kind of a bit of havoc there. Superman has to fight him. Superman easily beats him and Lex and mm-hmm. Lenny go, okay, we've made a grave error. We need to bring the tissue back and launch it into the sun or whatever. What you do there is you launch it into the sun and then he comes out of the sun and he's the same actor. He just looks different. He mm-hmm. looks more powerful. Whereas yeah. in what they did was they used a different actor. So just instantly your your mind is kind of like, okay, so who is this guy? Whereas if they just used the same actor throughout, it would have been better. I don't know. And I, I think to be like uh, in the comic book, and, and I could be wrong, but like I've seen scenes or clips and photos and stuff of Christopher Reeve, like holding up a taxi cab yep. during this and stuff. None of that's here, but there is a fight with a lamppost. And like you said, this guy kind of comes up. That's one thing that it does kind of fill in the blank of, and I, I presume this is how it was in the script. They make a connection that Nuclear Man 2 maintains at least some of the memories of Nuclear Man 1. Yeah. And Nuclear Man 1 walks in. Basically what happens is Lex sees that that um, on the newspaper that the, there's this big you know, nightclub opening night or whatever. He sends Nuclear Man 1 there to cause havoc. Nuclear Man 1 comes in and sees Clark dancing with, with Lacey, Lacey yeah. falls for Lacey, and that kind of explains why Nuclear Man 2, later on in the story, has feelings for Lacey, which is never explained in the film. And again, it's, it's confusing. It would have been confusing anyway because it's a different actor. Yeah. You know, like that that yeah. whole thing could have been explained so much better if you had that visual consistency of like Mark Pillow or Clive Mantle playing the character from yeah. the whole movie. And they didn't do that. And I don't know why. And there's there's no reason why they'd have the same memories. I don't. But again, when we're talking, when we spoke in, about in Superman three about how they got rid of the kind of the murder of uh, evil Superman or the killing of evil Superman, it's in it's in this. Like he he Superman basically hits uh, um, Nuclear Man one with a lamppost. He shoots up. He hits some kind of a you know a lightning rod or an electric aerial, and he disintegrate he disintegrates into ash. And Superman's not very concerned about the fact well, that he just killed this guy. Do you know why though, Alan? They they've given themselves a get out of jail free card because the very next panel, Superman is looking at this like uh you know, charred remains of what was kind of nuclear man one, and he goes, Whatever he it was, he wasn't human. <laughs> yeah. So it's like and the writers are saying, Don't even worry about it, folks. It reminded me very much of when we went back and read those old Bizarro uh, yes. books from the 50s. And it reminded me very much of that kind of mindset. Well, he wasn't even human, so fuck him. Fuck this <laughs> um, <laughs> And yeah, so then again, like the film. And again, it, it does a great job of, 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 of hitting all the story beats. You know, the, the, the Daily Planet issues, you know, Superman says drop dead to kid. Everybody's upset. Superman goes to the to the Fortress of Solitude, consults with the all elders. The, all the then, Daily Planet takeover stuff works so much better in this longer in course. This. And, and even reading yeah. this comic, I was like, oh yeah, this makes more sense, like reading it like yeah. this. 
And, you know, the elders tell Superman, look, you shouldn't interfere. Yeah, you know, they can't rely on, you know, they'll end up relying on you all the time. And he just says he needs to do what he feels is right. He goes to the United Nations, announces that he's going to rid the world of all nuclear weapons. We've got, again, a splash page of all these rockets being shot up into space and Superman hurling them into the sun. Um, we've got the meeting with Lex. Uh, you know, they didn't keep the capitalist plot, uh, communist plot scene that you love from yep. the from the cutscenes. They, they, they even... almost did, but no, they didn't. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. We have Lex Luthor kind of, you know, meeting more criminals, you know, getting the funding to 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 attach the 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 molecule, the the DNA kit or whatever it is. Sorry, involuntary response. I, Lex Luthor, greatest criminal mind of the modern era, have devised a way to destroy Superman. Sorry, that's just, very good. <laughs> I love the way he says of the modern era. Like, there's eras of like the greatest criminal. Like, he could list off the other greatest criminal minds of those times, but he is the greatest criminal mind of the modern era. I just wonder love did Gene it, love Hackman. It so much. I wonder did Gene Hackman enjoy making this movie. He movie. absolutely did, and he. Do you know he what? He looks like he did. Do you know what? Like, I'll say it again. Like Gene Hackman is. He was a great actor. <laughs> he is like. Every evil, sniveling, bullying, selfish capitalist out there. Every megalomaniac. Look at like Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Donald Trump. They're all like Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor. And I love him for it. He's so good at what he does. And he, he always looks like for, like I know Christopher, I, I imagine Christopher had a, an awful time making this film because he knew yeah. that what he had signed up for wasn't happening. He knew, I, I know, I read somewhere, I heard somewhere that at some point he had turned to uh, John, Cryer, John yeah. Cryer and was like, this is, this is going to be shit. bad. <laughs> this is going to be bad. Like, and you know, I, I could see how that would deeply affect someone like, you know, Christopher Reeve who bore his heart and soul into the script and had a vision for it and all that kind of stuff. But I, I can't watch that film and not think that, that Gene Hackman had a great time making it. It was just like, look, it is what it is. And Let's their chemistry together is dynamite. Christopher Reeve yeah. and Gene Hackman are dynamite together. And it's just, every time they're on screen, it's like, yep, this is great. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We get uh, Superman hurls the rocket into space. And just like the film, Nuclear Man 2 arrives. Not exactly like the film, because in this version, he's naked all the way to the apartment when he's handed the costume. He doesn't come out wearing the costume like he does in the film. This is one of the things where I think the writers of the comic went, that doesn't make any sense. Let's change it. Yeah. <laughs> and they even put, like, they try to explain in the film where they put the little fabric of the cl of the clothing in the little lunchbox that they sent up. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Nope. And we have what I like to call a receding hairline, receding hairline uh, nuclear man here. Just before you move on, Alan, I noticed something recently watching the movie that I never noticed before, right? Okay. When Lex is in the Metropolis Museum of Modern Art going, you know what I could do with a single strand of Superman's hair, he is wearing a baseball cap mm -hmm. with the Nuclear Man logo on it. And, uh, oh. yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I've never and, noticed and that. I, I, I th since then, I have kind of thought, okay, so maybe they're implying that when Lex is cutting up fabrics and putting them into the box, that maybe he's cutting up stuff from his baseball cap or he's cutting up stuff from mm -hmm. like a baseball jersey or... You know, like yeah. maybe these are scraps of different things that he has, and that's why Nuclear yeah. Man has that logo. I don't know. That's a strange. That's a, I, I feel like it I'm, must have been intentional at some point, but like so many elements of Superman 4, it didn't come together in the final product because yeah. it was such a mismatch of different things. 
And we, then we get all the stuff, the, the normal stuff with, you know, uh, 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 Nuclear Man uh, spinning uh, Lenny Luther around his finger and, you know, all that dialogue and stuff. And then we're straight into the apartment scene, you know, the farce apartment scene where they're, you know, um, Lois is dating uh, Superman, Lacey is dating Clark and they're kind of on this great scene. double date. Yeah, it is a great it's scene, a great but it's, scene. It's, a, it, it's, a, it's a classic farce scene. Like, oh, you know, it's, it's real, but it is. It's when you come to slapstick comedy and that kind of stuff, this is that done very well. Yeah, and Christopher Reeve yeah. is like a master at it. Like, it, it's yeah. it's classic Clark Kent, Christopher Reeve stuff. And yeah. I'll I have to mention, I was in that lobby. I went to Milton Keynes. I saw where they filmed that scene. <laughs> so there you go. And, it you know, it sticks pretty closely to what happens in the film. Yep. Uh, Lex Luthor arrives on that big screen. Uh, hello my darling hello <laughs> sorry <laughs> what is it he says I'm so happy to be back where I belong okay. um, and like that's it Superman arrives he meets Nuclear Man they end up fighting the fight is pretty I'm uh, like uh, this is always fi- I find this very strange because I have always seen the version of the film of Superman 4 with the tornado scene with Christopher Reeve's daughter yes um, being saved in it that, that was always in my home VHS Same. and I know a lot of I've heard Jim and, and, and Martin and that say that there, you know there's other versions where that's not included um, and all really good stuff the fight is great they fix the scene where he has the Great Wall of China eye beam powers correct that's gone he fixes it normally with his superpowers you know you can see him laying brick by brick um, you know there's a chase up into space basically goes exactly as it does in the film they they nuclear man picks up the statue of liberty superman stops it nuclear man scratches him and we have the scene where the cape arrives at the daily planet and lois gets angry um we have the double cross of lex luthor and the henchmen and we're straight into to clark being sick he gets the crystal that he, that jor gave him at the start and basically regains his powers um, we've got Nuclear Man arriving at the Daily Planet. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Yep. Lex does, in fact, say in this comic book adaptation, comrades, we all know world peace is a capitalist plot. Oh, does he? Yeah. Does he say He's, it? I he must have he doesn't it. say the opposite, but he does say that, yeah. yeah. Oh, very good. Um, so Superman is sick. He uses the crystal that Jarrell gave him at the start to get better, uh, which is, again, very similar to kind of Superman 2 stuff again. But yeah. And then we have uh, Nuclear Man sees Lacey again in the newspaper, decides... He wants to to meet her. He bursts into the Daily Planet, uh, get, uh, kidnaps her. But then does oh no, he doesn't kidnap her. He bursts into the Daily Planet. But then he decides before he kidnaps her, he does something very strange. And I don't know if this was in the original script, but he turns into a rocket. This was not only in the original script; it is in fact a deleted scene you can watch on the DVD. He t- he d- that he physically because it, yeah. it's strange how they depict it. In 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 this, he's kind of they show him in a rocket. But he's basically kind of made this rocket out of nothing. He, he, he shapeshifts into a, a nuclear missile. It's totally bizarre. It's so strange. But it, it, it was mi- filmed. And we missed that at the, uh, earlier on. We missed the, the panel where they show him increasing in size. He he increases his size and becomes almost like a giant for one of the panels. And I, I, I know I've heard that that was meant to be in the film at some point as well. Yeah, like. I think Mark Rosenthal, who was one of the screenwriters, mentions on the commentary of Superman 4 that that was something that they had envisioned that he would turn into this like giant like kaiju type thing and Superman would fight him because that was definitely something that happened in the comics quick mention that the the commentary for Superman 4 if anyone hasn't listened to it the official Mm. commentary on the DVD is essential it's fascinating like literally within the first couple of seconds Mark Rosenthal says only a couple of seconds into the movie you realize something is wrong 
and yeah. he is totally he's totally frank and honest throughout the whole thing about everything that went wrong with that movie and this is on the official warner brothers dvd it's fascinating go and listen to it if you haven't it's great jesus if, if i have listened to it it's been a long time i'll definitely have to go back and check that out um so basically uh, I, i'm saying basically all the time so uh nuclear man shoots off in a rocket the, the, the West is watching it on the screen. The, the Russians are watching The Soviets are wa- watching it on the screen. Nobody knows what, what they're going to do. Superman turns up and he decides that he's going to need to take Lacey up into the sky to distract Nuclear Man. Wraps her in a cape, which is something different to what we saw in the film. Yeah, that this is, a, this is another thing where the comic book writers are going, let's make this make more sense. Yeah, because it made no sense in the film when he brings her up into space and she, you know, she couldn't breathe and all that kind of stuff. So he basically goes up and... Uh, not taunts nuclear man but distracts superman here's the girl you're looking for i have her uh, nuclear man turns back into nuclear man chases after him and then we have the fight outside of the daily planet on the streets of metropolis which again makes a lot more sense than him just turning up at the at the at the daily planet superman being there not knowing why he's there but knowing why he's there we have the big uh, battle outside the um daily planet superman traps him in the elevator brings him up to the moon we have the moon battle and then straight into we're into Superman blocking out the sun uh, with the moon, making it an eclipse. I think that's what happens, isn't it? Yep, 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 yep. And the nuclear man is depowered. He's gotten rid of. Lex Luthor is picked up by Superman, dropped back to prison. Uh, just like the film, Perry re, you know, uh, purchases the majority shareholders in the Daily Planet. And we have the scene where Superman flies Jeremy around the Earth to show him that it's all one world with no borders. And we're into the end. And the key difference here is Jeremy is wearing a spacesuit this time. Yeah. Whereas in the deleted scene, if you watch it on the DVD again, it's just Jeremy flying around in space with Superman and he can breathe for some reason. So again, <laughs> comic book writers going, let's make this more make more sense. I thought these two books would be a lot worse than what they are. Uh, I was very impressed with the both of them, I have to say. Yeah, I was impressed with both of them. They, in some ways, make the film better and in some ways just highlight how prob- how flawed those movies are. Um, yeah. And I think it's definitely true of Superman 4. Uh, but it also, just every time I read this, I'm like, God, I really wish they'd just released that full, whatever, however yeah. long it is, cut. Um, 134 minutes, I think, isn't it? Yeah, because like flaws and all, I do love Superman four. I've spoken about it before. I, I you know, I, 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 I think, and we'll, we'll get into this when we talk about our main topic of discussion tonight. Uh, the emotional journey Superman goes through in Superman four is just more interesting to me than the total lack of emotional journey he goes through in Superman four or Superman three. Like Superman three is Gus Gorman's movie. Like it just is. Yeah. Like he's the guy who has the character arc in it. Whereas Superman 4, I think, is, is a really interesting look at Superman learning why he can't solve all of the Earth's problems. I think they could have gone about it maybe a different way, but I, I think it's a mm. fascinating movie. And there's a lot of... I, I, I think Nuclear Man is a fascinating villain. Um, I think he's got a cool kind of aesthetic look to him. And I, I like some of the battles and stuff. And I just think Gene Hackman rules. And he's so good in Superman 4. Like, there's just so much to love about it, even though it's kind of a shitty movie. Like... If the budget for the film, and I don't want to talk about the film too much because, you know, it's about the comic, but if the budget for the film hadn't been cut and kind of siphoned off into Masters of the Universe 1987 and the script had stayed what it was, so you got 134 minutes with the full budget, 
where would you think would stand in the pantheon of superhero films now? I, I think people blame the budget for Superman 4 more than they should. I think it was I think it was kind of a flawed movie from the outset. I think the story was ill-advised yeah. and I think the script was a little bit all over the place. Like, I don't think there was any room for Lacey Warfield in that movie. And I think as the yeah. movie goes on, it's almost like they're realizing, oh, no, 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 hang on a second. Margot Kidder, you know, as much as she might be getting older and as much as, you know, she might have problems of her own, it's her chemistry with Christopher Reeve that makes these movies magical. And it's yeah. it's almost like you're watching the movie and the filmmakers are realizing that because they're putting more and more Lois Lane into the movie when Lacey Warfield is also there. Like, there's just stuff like that where I'm like, you yeah. know, it, it, it was kind of going to be a mess either way. And like, look at the Supergirl movie. That had all the budget in the world, all the great special effects. Mm. And that's a complete mess of a movie, you know? Yeah. I, d I don't think the special effects would have made Superman 4 better. And God, God bless Aaron Price. He's doing an amazing job with, you know, improving the special effects and, you know, making them what they were originally intended to be. I don't think it's going to suddenly make Superman 4 a great movie, but I'm still going to love it. I'd still like to see it, though. I'd still yeah. absolutely I'd still like, like to see it, see it no and, question. Uh, you know, you, you can say what you want about Lacey and you can say what you want about, say, like Lana. I, I like the fact that those those characters like the Clark Kent version, even though they like two separate Clark Kents. Lana knows the original uh, Smallville Clark. Who, which is who Clark kind of plays a slightly more buffoonish version of in in the Superman three film. Lacey falls for the for the complete disguise. Yeah, that's who she falls for. Um, not Superman at all. She she sees Superman as a bit boring. She calls him a square at one point. She's she's into Clark. She likes the way he kind of stood up to her. At least in the comic, the way it's depicted in the comic and, and in the film. Um, I like that about her, but yeah, you're right. It's it, it's a shame what they did with Margot towards the end. I, I, I don't want to get into the Lana versus Lois argument because I I feel like I'm kind of in the minority about this in, in a weird way, but like that scene in Superman 4, and it is problematic AF. Like Superman does another magic kiss and mm. all that weirdness where he sort of makes Lois remember his secret or something. I can't even remember. And then forget but it the, again. Yeah. Despite all of, in spite of all of that weirdness in the script, you just have Christopher Reeve looking at Margot Kidder saying, sometimes I don't know what to do, Lois. And she says, you know, you'll find a way you always do. And it's just, it just makes my heart flutter. It's glorious. It's, they, they're just, their chemistry is just amazing. So good. Yeah. Like if, if that scene had been, and that's such a great scene um, where he's, he's sitting down and he's watching the news and his feet are up and his glasses are yeah. off. And because we've never seen him like that before. And if it was a case that she had just come into the apartment and he had just told her and she as soon as he took the glasses off, she just remembers everything. And then she remembered going forward. That would have been a lovely cap to that yeah. whole relationship and the way that he can talk to her and stuff. Um, would you recommend this book? Uh, 100 percent. I would. Yeah, definitely. It's like yeah, it's like too. a crucial kind of blueprint of what Superman 4 could be and what it was intended to be. And uh, it's a it's a it's a decent comic book adaptation in its own right. It again doesn't really leave anything out. It doesn't sort of gloss over anything the way a lot of like later comic book adaptations would. Um, yeah. and it's it's just really really interesting. And um, yeah, and and like there are little kind of tiny little nuggets of hints of where the normal mainstream Superman comics were at at the time. If you look at the front yeah. cover, there's an ad for a Millennium, which was an event that was going on. And then I mentioned the Clinton Avenue thing and. Little, just little nuggets like that that sort of hint at where Superman was. So, uh, no, one hundred. And just you know, you can you can. I, I don't know if you, I I didn't try to get them digitally or anything, but you can get them easily enough yeah. on um, eBay and stuff. Uh, you can get older copies. I mean, the the Superman three book is almost forty years old. Superman 
four is 35 years old so you know they'll obviously come in varying conditions so just do your homework on that to make sure you get a, a half decent one before you get them but yeah they're 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 readily available i think i spent like 20 euro on superman 4 which is well worth it in the long i, I spent 99 cents on superman 4 and i think i got superman 3 for like 10 british pounds plus postage it was fine like th- th- these yeah. these were mass produced like they're, they're not hard to find so definitely get one if you can uh, would you give it another four out of five yes i think four out of five it's, yeah. it's not perfect but it's it's very very good and i'm i'm glad that it exists so my question to you rob uh, as a little segue do you think nuclear man is likely to appear in any other comic books <laughs> well it's funny if you'd asked me that 10 years ago alan i would have said absolutely no we're never seeing nuclear man ever again but believe it or not we have seen him twice not once but twice in the comics in the last 10 years I know you're surprised by that. You think this is the only time Nuclear Man showed up in the Bendis run of super of either Action Comics. Or oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. I think it was in like a dream sequence or something. I don't know if it entirely counted, but he did show up in that. But carry on. <laughs> so we're just going to briefly talk about a book that um, Rob brought to my attention only today that I didn't realize anything about it before today. And it's the Earth Prime Superman and Lois, uh, the you know, the CW tie in comic to the CW show. Uh, it's uh, number two of six. I was a little bit confused by that, Rob. You had to explain to me that every issue was a different kind of version, a different um, aspect of the CW universe. Is that it? Yep. That's so, uh, so I think issue one was Batwoman, issue two was Superman and Lois, and then there was The Flash and Legends and all those different shows. Yeah. Yeah. So just to talk about this briefly because it, it touches upon like uh, the the whole Christopher Reeve thing. And it's something that I love about the Superman and Lois show is the way that they kind of mention things and sprinkle things in mm-hmm. from different versions of superman's history uh in into their version and acknowledge it all in their own way and i really like that now i have to say when i i downloaded this um this book because we only decided to talk about it today briefly i downloaded it onto my tablet and i saw the cover i was like oh god uh i'm, I'm not too put- i'm one of those people who really judges things by the art and if yep. i don't like the art and i i'm really a fan of of and we'll talk about it when we talk about the superman 78 book of kind of simple art i don't like things that are overly complicated or anything overly like that. stylized yeah overly overly stylized I, i'm not a big fan of that and then i started with the very first uh splash page uh which is the the story the, this book contains three stories and the first one is called the anniversary and it's just a beautiful image of the the kent farm and you're straight into Clark and the uh, the two boys and Lois in their kitchen. And I was like, oh, my God, this art is absolutely stunning. Do you know why it's stunning, Alan? Why is that? Because Tom Grummet was the artist on this comic. Tom Grummet from the absolutely legendary uh, run of Superman comics from the 90s that I can't stop talking about. That post-burn, Dan Jurgens kind of... He, yeah. he was one of the main artists on the Superboy uh comic now, now d- d- stop d- hear me out on this one not nothing to do with the tv show the superboy leather jacket connell superboy right carl kessel okay. and tom grummet had a legendary run on that comic and he's one of the best superman artists ever he he drew a bunch of stuff in the death of superman arc and when superman had a mullet tom grummet drew drew some amazing superman drawings he is one of the greats and he draws this short story and it rules and I have to say, like I, like I said there, from page one, it was it just struck me how beautiful it was, and I like it might be some of my favorite Superman art ever. Yeah, it and really reminded me, and like you said there, like I, what you said there about the whole his whole nineties connection, 
it really reminded me of that kind of what I call our golden age of of Superman, that kind of nineties run, a ten year run, just updated for twenty twenty two. It is it is amazing. Again, likenesses aren't there. No. They don't look exactly like the guys. They don't look like Tyler and, and Bitsy and all that. But it is just a stunning, stunning book. Um three stories. The first story I absolutely loved from start to finish. Oh, I, I absolutely loved it. It is so good. It is just it is I would recommend it to anybody. I could recommend this to my wife. I could recommend it to a friend. I could recommend it to someone at work to read. It's just a lovely personal story between Lois uh, between Lois and Clark. They're married and they're trying to celebrate their anniversary and telling the story of their first anniversary. And it's just a really, really nice little story. Would you say that it might even be a new adventure of Superman? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely would you, would you say that it may in fact be a lois and clark new adventure of superman it could absolutely be a, a new adventure of superman from lois and clark it could absolutely fit into that aesthetic as well it's 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 perfect basically lois and clark celebrate their birthday or their their wedding anniversary four days late every year and they, they explain to their sons why they celebrated four days after the actual wedding anniversary and it's this whole thing about them uh uh, on their first wedding anniversary trying to meet up for dinner every night one of the two of them couldn't make it and on the last night neither of them could make it it's just a lovely story and uh, when i got to like page what page one two three four straight away superman the reason superman can't make the first night the first date is because he is fighting none other than the mechanical monsters yeah. from the fleischer animations Fuck yeah. and <laughs> i i turned it over and i was like holy shit, he's fighting the mechanical monsters from the Fleischer animations. And it is so beautiful. It is, oh, it's perfect. And not only that, but the Daily Planet, the Daily Planet uh, kind of drawing that they do on the on the page yeah. afterwards, it is literally an exact recreation of the Daily Planet article from that specific Max Fleischer uh, cartoon. Like even the font looks the same. It is it's such a like, deep, deep cut. And, but uh, like it's oh I just I was I sat down and I was reading this I had a cup of coffee and I was reading this and I was just like oh my god this is this is brilliant and the next day there's an issue Lois can't make it because someone has put a car a toy car into uh, the printing press of the Daily Planet so she's helping Perry for some reason uh, to, to unclog it Perry White uh, by the way sorry yeah I, if, if ever you needed proof he, he just looks like Lane Smith in these drawings. He does. Like they, I actually they, have it in my notes. This is a thing they did on purpose. I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah, he, he looks like Lane Smith. He does look like Lane Smith. Um, and then we go into the third date. You know, they're planning, you know, I wish we could make it. You know, we're really going to try this time. And then here we go. The whole reason we said we'd mention this comic, you turn the page. And the reason that Superman can't make it is because he's fighting Nuclear Man. And I immediately picked up my phone and text rob what the fuck <laughs> and not only is he fighting nuclear man he's fighting nuclear man outside and believe me this is true casino royale yeah i noticed that when i saw that i was like oh rob is going to rob is going to love that and it, it looks like specifically the casino royale from the 19th the weird obscure woody allen peter yeah. sellers 1960s casino royale yeah the parody one what a strange thing to include but i love it <laughs> Yeah, and Nuclear Man looks incredible. He looks amazing. 
he looks amazing superman is i don't know what he's doing he's shocking him with some kind of electrical cables or something and he's basically bursting into a ball of flames uh nuclear man is and he looks he looks incredible i would love to see him in more books and i i text you at the time and i was like god i would love them to do i don't agree with the and again i haven't seen season two of uh superman and lois yet uh, i haven't seen all of it but i would I, I don't really agree with the whole 22, 23, 24 episodes thing. I, 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 when they have one story, I would love them to have maybe two or three stories uh, throughout if they were going to do that kind of thing. I would love more episodes like they did in season one with that episode 11 and just have them, you know, shoot back three years and show Superman fighting Nuclear Man or showing Superman, you know, doing the, what Christopher Reeve did and stopping the, the San Andreas fault from falling into the ocean or, you know, fighting himself, an evil version of himself in a junkyard for a couple of minutes or something like that. I would love that. Yeah, I, it, and, it's an amazing show. I really like season two. My biggest criticism of season two is the overarching plot of the season possibly didn't yeah. need to be stretched over 15 episodes and... It would have been amazing to see three or four just completely standalone adventures yeah. where they face off against classic villains doing classic things that you can only tell in 40 minutes and you don't need an entire season to do. And I really, really hope they're able to do a little bit more of that next year because I, would I be agree great. completely. Yeah, the, the, there are certain Superman stories and Superman villains and things that own and Star Trek and, and every kind mm -hmm. of genre show. Like there are certain types of stories that don't need to be told over an entire season and would be much better suited to just an episode and yeah. and, or and, even, and this even comic like proves if, that like if you have 20 episodes you know you have you know six episodes about one thing six episodes of another thing yeah a third ep you know and then you have two standalones or something like that but like i would love to see you know this is a whole new universe i would love to see this is a, this is our version of superman fighting you know whoever ursa or non or whoever mm. Um, and not even just the films, but, you know, to delve into stuff that's happened in the comics and different comics and stuff, yep. that would be amazing. Um, and then we go into uh, the, the next night. Lois can't make it to the dinner uh, because she's basically discovered that Toy Man and a load of villains are, have sabotaged the Daily Planet. And I like that, that Clark ends up having dinner with the waiter um, yeah. at the at the restaurant. Um, and again, like it really should, goes to their relationship to beautiful, again, beautiful panels, beautiful art that they both understand. Like it's not a case that Lois is extremely angry and extremely annoyed at Clark for not making it, which kind of, I think, would have been the way it would have been if it had been like Superman, um, uh, Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. You know, Clark was running off. Clark is never there. Clark always has excuses. Lois would have to do all that as well in her job constantly yeah, that's what i love about the story is that it, it it builds lois up as much as it builds superman up like she is a hero in her own right she has such an important job and such an important role in the world that she is in just as much demand as superman i, I really really like that and i like that about the show yeah. as well that yeah. and, and that's why when they try to put superman with wonder woman i'm just like no you're missing the point entirely like yeah. lois is the best of humanity and that's why superman loves her so much and that's what the story does and it's great uh, we get a we get a, a cameo by uh, Lobo of all people. Yeah. Um, we have a story in which, well, a, a night in which Lois basically discovers that the mayor of Metropolis is corrupt, um, and eventually they realize that they're just going to have to. They, they miss. They both miss the last night, and they come up with this tradition where, four days after their anniversary every year, they fly to Hawaii and just have dinner themselves on the beach. 
and it's lovely it ends with a splash page with the two of them at a sunset and saying happy anniversary to each other awesome. it's just a beautiful little story and you were right you said I think you're going to love this and I absolutely adored it um, now there's two other stories in the book not to go too far into them um, there's a lovely little story about uh, uh, Clark when he was young and how his father loved kind of reading the newspaper mm-hmm. uh, how he loved All the President's Men the film the All the President's Men about the you know the, the two journalists from the Washington Post taking down um, Nixon after Watergate and what I really enjoyed about it is you, you fast forward then Jonathan has obviously passed away Superman is kind of in his fleishery or suit and he's doing all the Superman stuff and he's very proud of it and he goes down to get a newspaper and the big cover page story Superman adverts disaster and he said but I really wish I could see him reading today's edition of the Daily Planet I hope what we I hope what he'd see there would make him proud but he's not talking about the headline about Superman he's talking about the first solo byline of Clark Kent Maybe. down in the corner of the page and I think that's a beautiful little story yeah. um, and it ends then with Superman at, his, at, at Jonathan's grave leaving down the newspaper for him and flying off and it's it's dedicated to the who, uh, a person I presume was the father of the writer which yeah is so a, the, a lovely the, that story was written by Adam Malinger who is a staff writer on Superman and Lois he wrote it in memory of his father Stuart uh, who, who he wanted to just pay tribute to so, um, Adam is very active on Twitter. He goes by the handle uh, Bitter Scriptwriter, and we've we've engaged we've engaged with him a number of times. He's he's very very active and he's very responsive and he's a huge huge Superman fan. And you can see his influence yeah. all over this um, all over this comic because he's a huge '90s Superman fan as well. And you can see all those kind of nuggets of '90s Superman throughout that show. And obviously Tom Grummet being the artist in the first issue in the first story as well. Um, so hats off to Adam Allinger if you're listening beautiful. well done yeah, it's beautiful, a beautiful tribute to your like father that, as well beautiful tribute and that 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 like that second story that tribute um, to his dad is only six pages and it's hugely powerful like even I was kind of at the end of it almost shedding a tear I thought it was uh, just a beautiful piece mm. of writing and it just goes to show what you can do with the fo- with the with the format of comics I think yeah you know I think it's just beautiful. The last story then, we'll, I'll just talk about very quickly because it didn't interest me at all, to be honest with you. Okay. It's it's basically the origin story of... Evil Superman. The evil Superman from that universe. And I just, I have my fill of evil Superman. I don't need any more evil Superman stories. But look, it, it was interesting. They, they kind of give a little bit of background to what happened. The Kents were killed in the car wreck. He was uh, adopted into an abusive family. Uh, he ended up killing the father uh, who was beating the, the, the foster mother and this version of Jor-El kind of taught him how to be kind of this more dictator totalitarian kind of a guy he he meets up with his half brother and they destroy Metropolis and then it's to be continued small little story uh, to be honest I would have been happy for it to finish after the second one honestly I I agree I have had my fill of super, evil Superman what I will say though is I'm just glad that their 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 origin for evil Superman in this comic is the Kents died and they had nothing to do with his upbringing because yeah. there's nothing I hate more than evil Superman where it's like he had that beautiful upbringing with the Kents he met Lois he did all that stuff and then something happened that turned him those are those are the ones that I don't mm. like whereas at, le- at least in this version they're saying oh no this is a completely different guy in a completely but you're forgetting Rob that it's well established that if the Kents are killed in a car wreck Clark turns out perfectly fine he well, just ends yeah. up marrying a bitchy Lana Lang yeah true <laughs> enough yeah yeah yeah, yeah uh, uh, Tempest anyone yeah that's true 
Um, but look, the reason we want to talk about that one yes. is is because you know it features Nuclear Man uh, in a cameo in there, and it's just if you're if you're a fan of of the the Reeve movies, I I just think they they cover you know the, there's little nuggets in there that are, are well worth checking out. I think. Absolutely no, I completely agree. It, it caught me by surprise as well. I didn't think it would be as good as it was, um, but yeah. it was it, it in one issue. It in one issue, it managed to. You know, tell a number of stories that gripped me emotionally. It had characters going on an emotional journey, going yeah. on an arc and coming, you know, emerging better for the experience at the end of the story. Yep. This did that in one issue. And that leads us into Superman 78, everybody, which we both loved. Uh, thank you for listening to All Star Superfan. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it. Okay, so. Obviously, uh, we're both huge fans of the Christopher Reeve uh, series. Um, we were following what was going on with the Superman 78 book and the Batman 89 book coming out. I have a couple of different versions of them, as you'll see here. I have them here in front of me. Oh, I lovely. have the six single issues. Um, I have the hardback, which they've done a beautiful job of. Um, the hardback cover, if you haven't seen it, uh, is looks like a VHS tape yes. of Superman the movie. Uh, an aged, an old, 30-year-old, 40-year-old VHS tape. It's a thing of absolute beauty. I have that ordered. I'm going to pick it up from uh, Dublin City Comics at Dublin City Comic Con uh, to save on the postage of, of having it sent down to me. Can't wait to get that because it's just a lovely piece. But saying that, uh, I didn't love the book. Uh, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I'm kind of meh about it there's things i like there's things i don't like and we're really going to get into it yeah. and uh rob i know you have strong feelings about it and um, no well you know i i've strong feelings about everything alan but I, I i agree i i just didn't love it i i i liked it i th- I think there's a lot of fun to be had um i think it captures the flavor of a lot of things we really like about the reeve movies but it just it's just kind of just there like and i just feel like you know, and, and I, th- I think it's important that we did discuss the Superman and Lois book because, mm-hmm. you know, th- there are Superman comics coming out right now that are among the best Superman comics I've ever read. Son of Kal-El yeah. is excellent. And yeah. it, there's so much joy and emotion and, you know, both traditional Superman and modern elements done so well. I love that book. Uh, shout out to Tom Taylor. Philip Kennedy Johnson is doing an incredible job on the War World saga. You know, something that sounds like something I would hate. Superman just beating up a bunch of guys on War World. It doesn't sound anything mm. like the Superman stories I'd like. It is a beautiful Superman story and it's so good. And it doesn't feel like anybody's talking about it. Everybody is talking about this book. And yeah. I just, I, I thought it was fine. It's like, I understand why people want to love it. And I should want to love it. And hats off i know so much work goes into these things and i'm sure the creators put so much time and energy into them but it just i just wish it was better i don't know and i'll get it i'll get into larger points about why it's not just fanboy expectations it's basic storytelling stuff that i I didn't like so take it away and like i watched a review i I was wondering was i missing something and i watched a review on uh, youtube of the of, of, of this series 
and straight away I, I wish I hadn't because the the guy who was doing the review I, I can't even remember the name of the YouTube channel it's not one that I normally follow um, and he was like oh see he was kind of holding up and he was going see it's 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 easy to do a really good Superman story not like you know Son of Kal-El which is woke trash and all this <laughs> okay kind of stuff. The, guy had clearly, the guy had clearly not even read Son of yeah. Kal-El which you know like you said there is just, I really I can't wait for the next issues of that yeah. book to come out I really really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to and I love the Christopher Reeve movies I love them I love Donner I love Lester I love City J Fury for God's sake I love the whole I love that they exist you know they're a huge part of my life and I think this did an okay job yeah um, I, I, I just left underwhelmed by it um, I think that a lot of it is and I don't want to go through scene by scene of every little no. part of it. And, um, but, and again, this is going to be a spoiler review. So for everybody, yeah. the spoilers, because, you know, we're, we're going to get into it. Uh, it's written by Robert Venditti and uh, with art by Wilfredo Torres. Uh, Robert Venditti, I read some of his Green Lantern stuff um, a while back. Great writer. You know, a lot of the writing here is is perfectly fine. The art, I like the art. It's it's very simplistic in parts. Um but it gets the story across. There's some panels where, like, uh, Clark and Superman and Margot, Kidder, Lois Lane, they look exactly like them. There's other panels where they don't really look like them. I thought it was a little bit uneven in terms of that. But, you know, we have scenes where, like, it starts up, the the, the very first issue, and kind of starts showing the, the death of, of Jarell and Lara and Krypton again, and you get into Clark and Lois, and they're late for work, and Lois is stopping for food, and it's hot dogs, and it's... I, I think it's and it's a problem I had with it I think it's okay to go do you remember this yeah this remember remember this in the film and you go oh yeah I do remember that oh that's a nice little nod but they weren't nice little nods they were just copy and paste stuff from the film straight into the book you know Lois likes hot dogs here she is getting hot dogs for breakfast remember when she got hot dogs for breakfast you know this kind of thing yeah uh, and there was a lot of that in it and by kind of the third and, issue, and it isn't I better. Was, like the the dialogue, no. like I and it's such a. This is a fanboy nitpick, right? But I, okay. I I do have an ear for dialogue, and I just feel like the dialogue here just wasn't quite there. Like it just felt like it needed a tweak. It just felt very basic. It's like Lois, fancy bumping into you on the way to the office. Like we need a better line than that. I'm sorry. Like it, it just isn't sharp enough. You know, Clark, you worry about Perry too much. Have some confidence in yourself. That doesn't sound like something Tom Mankiewicz would write, or or Leslie or David Newman. Like it's just, it's just a little bit flat. I'm like, you know, yeah. I I'm sorry. Maybe that's, I do, no, I, I, I don't want to just, you know, I, I don't want to be yeah. mean about this either. But like, and I I can see your point. I to to be fair to it, I I do think that the world that it creates feels like Donner's Metropolis. I think the aesthetic of it feels like it feels like we're in that world. But, it, but is, is the, that Venditti's writing or Wilfredo Torres's art, though? Could be. Could be the art. You know? It could be the art. It could be the art, um, to be honest. But I, uh, that's one thing. Like, compared to the Batman 89, I really felt this was more like that universe than the Batman 89 was like the Burton universe. Does that make sense? I yeah, I actually agree with that. I I think this captured the world of those movies better, but I think Batman yeah. eighty nine was a more interesting. I think it was a very flawed story. There was lots of kind of 
it was a bit of a it mess. It was too much of an amalgamation with Batman. It, they were trying too hard to amalgamate it with Batman. The yeah, animated I mean, series. Yeah, me. but I, I think overall the story that Sam Hamm told in that was just more yeah. interesting. There was more going on. I, I'll, I'll get into my major problem with this in a second, but I think Batman 89 was not guilty of that major problem is what I'll say. Okay. Um, so we have this nice little scene, you know, they're late for breakfast. Uh, Clark sees a mugging. He uses his x-ray vision to, to, to burn the mugger's um, um, shoes. Again, we get straight into another scene. So we, the first scene there is with Lois. It's kind of like, you know, Lois eats unhealthy. She, you know, eats hot dogs for breakfast, all that kind of stuff. The second scene then is, again, kind of Perry kind of lecturing Clark about how he needs to kind of buck up and be more of a go-getter or whatever. And again, that was in Superman 2 at the start. And it just kind of felt like it was copied and pasted in here. It didn't add anything to it. I've seen that before. And I, I can understand, I can understand that kind of stuff happening. Um... But it, it it's ju- it was just constant, I found. Does that? Yeah. Am I being too harsh? Um, no, I, so I, I. And then obviously Torres just lifts panels to, or lifts kind of frames yeah. directly from the movies. I think a lot of people love that. I, I, I loved it in in places, but I feel like he just does it so often. I'm kind of like, okay, I'd, I'd like to see some new imagery. Yeah. I like when it's done smartly yeah and when it adds something or but i i just found it was too much of it was too much it was too many member berries yeah it was just constant remember this remember this remember when this happened in the thing and i was like okay by issue three like there's a scene there in what page is it we're about four or five pages in where uh, a brainiac uh, cyber uh, robot arrives um crash lands in metropolis causes a huge amount of destruction and again, we have Christopher Reeve. So it's like the third or fourth page. We're in the alley from Superman 2 where he changes at the beginning during the Eiffel Tower um, terrorist attack. And we have Christopher Reeve running down and opening his shirt. And it's 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 straight out of the... It's it's a panel straight out of that that costume change. And again, like this is the third, th- this is the third thing in the first issue where I'm like, oh, I remember that from the And film. look, we're and not made of stone. Of course it's cool. Yeah. Of course it's nice to see it again. But it's just like... It's kind of a lot of stuff, you know? But, like, if, if that had been the first one, yeah, I would have been like, oh, cool. Amazing. I see what he's doing yeah, here. Exactly. They're running down. But at this time, it's been, you know, four or five pages out of six or seven pages have been th- things I've seen already. And it, it, it just felt a little bit um, uh, repetitious for me. Um, my my big issue with, with the story overall, I have two big issues with it. Okay. Um, the first issue I have with it is that... I would have liked, and I want to get your impression mm-hmm. of this. I, w- I would have liked, it's a Brainiac story. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Brainiac basically attacks Metropolis um, and, you know, eventually wants to bottle it or whatever. We, we realize the Superman is, is present in Metropolis, that he's a Kryptonian. Yeah, he cares about the, you know, uh, the climate and the, 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 the sanctity of the climate and the, the environment or whatever. And he wants the Kryptonian removed and he does that. Um. My my first big issue with it is that for a seventies era Superman, I would have liked a more seventies Brainiac. Now I'm oh, not saying that he needs. I'm not saying that he needs to go around with an afro or anything like that. I'm just saying that like, there's a lot of great science fiction in the seventies, and they were trying to predict what the future would be like. I've seen this Brainiac before, and I've seen this Brainiac done better in books like you know uh, Gary uh, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank Superman Brainiac 
like there it's it's not like that the brainiac drone in the first issue just looks like any brainiac drone from any one of a hundred comic books featuring brainiac drones okay and even brainiac himself the problem i have is i don't know exactly what i want but i know this isn't what i wanted i wanted something that was a bit more retro a bit more kind of you know the way alien predicted the future and it's kind of this, you know, certain, it still has this 70s aesthetic, mm. but you can tell it's the future. That's kind of what I wanted. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. I, I think they stuck quite closely. The Brainiac drones in this look fairly close to what Brainiac looked like in the 1983 kind of reboot where Marv yeah. Wolfman re- redesigned Brainiac as this kind of artificial intelligence thing. Um, But yeah, like that, they don't redesign that really. It's kind of the same, pretty much. Yeah. And then... The main quote unquote Brainiac, they, they've sort of, kind of, sort of drawn him to look like David Bowie. Um, which. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't actually catch that. Yeah, that, I, they they kind of made that clear in sort of social media. They, they sort of, I, I don't think they were allowed to say it officially because likeness rights and all that, but they, they okay. sort of hinted that, that that's who he's supposed to be, basically. It's David Bowie playing Brainiac. And that, I didn't get that at all. That would be great if. Brainiac had any personality whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, and look, this is this is one of the things. That, but you know, if a villain is going to be two dimensional, they need to have a personality. There needs to be something entertaining about Gene Hackman. He's a two dimensional villain in those movies. That like, there's mm-hmm. no third dimension to him really. Like he's there's no greater motivation or origin story or anything like that. He is a guy who really wants to be rich and wants to be celebrated as the greatest criminal mind of our time. His extra, his second dimension is that he's funny and he's entertaining yeah. and he's amusing to be around. This Brainiac is like Christopher Eccleston's villain in Thor: The Dark World. He's just this ominous, yeah. creepy alien guy who says ominous, creepy alien things and is a big villain, and that's all. That's it. <laughs> like there's, yeah. there's no other dimension to him at all. And you know, and I'll make I, I, again. I keep coming back to my larger point. Every Superman movie that has ever come out, the villains have an extra dimension to them. Like even the bad, vi- even the bad movies, there's an extra. Like Ross Webster, mm-hmm. like he's charming, he's yep. intelligent, he's interesting, he's entertaining to be around. Lex Luthor, same thing. You know, the the only villain that Brainiac in this story reminds me of really is Nuclear Man. <laughs> there's yeah. just nothing else to him except the aesthetic of what he looks like, and you know. And again, and that's 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 a great point. Like like I I never made a connection with um with David Bowie. Yeah. But uh, if they had leaned into that, maybe that's exactly what I meant. Like if they had leaned into something like right, who would have played this guy in nineteen eighty two? Yeah. Right. Let's let's write for that. Let's make it all that kind of you know uh, maybe like a an eighties neon brainiac with kind of you know rock brainiac or whatever i i I don't know what it is but i I just found this really bland yeah and like i said i had seen it before and i had seen it done better and i wouldn't have been impressed with this brainiac if he had turned up in an actual live action superman movie yeah no absolutely we get into the second issue then and straight away i was like oh i think they missed a mark here with gene hackman's lex luthor as well i can't see this man out interviewing for jobs I thought that the first time I read it. The second time I read it, I was kind of like, ooh, okay, I can kind of see this. I can sort of kind of see this in a Superman movie. I'm not going to lie. Where it seems like 
I think initially it surprised me that he was interviewing for a job at all. But now reading mm. it the second time, I was like, no, I think it's just that he's interviewing for a job, but he thinks he's interviewing for a much higher job than he's actually entitled to get. The the the, get, the punchline is, have you? Do you have any cafeteria experience? And he just looks at her and like marches out. But I I, th- yeah. I think to your point, they like the, the again there was there was two sides to Lex Luthor in those movies. There was the you know flamboyant kind of larger than life greatest criminal mind of our time you know surrounds mm-hmm. himself with nincompoops nitwits like this guy who would speak in these big voracious kind of speeches like he was a dictator yeah. but then there was also the kind of more street level con man lex which i think gene hackman you know brought a lot to where it was kind of yeah don't stop me till i've t- till you've heard me on this one superman and like he's he's trying to con everyone whereas yeah if 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 this guy was sitting in a job interview, he'd be trying to con them into giving him the job. Whereas I don't think they got that across in this comic. They 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 they, they just kind of portrayed him as this stoic kind of, you know, buffoon who thinks he's much smarter than everyone. And that that's definitely a side of Lex, but they forgot to add the other side to him. You know that kind of way. Yeah, there's 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 a small it's a very subtle thing that they have um, when Lex is leaving the interview where the guy's coming near the rain he puts the umbrella in the umbrella holder and Lex just picks it up and walks out with it I like that it's a nice little subtle yeah. thing Eve, Eve Christopher Reeve Superman arrives in Lex's apartment and we've shown him the the Brainiac the head of the Brainiac droid um, that he that he took from the robot and and basically wants Lex Luthor to analyze it and stuff and we get a little like you see. A glimpse of Lex Luthor's power armor and stuff, which I don't think goes with this Lex Luthor at all. Ah, uh, you got to put that in there, though. You know that. Uh, way, I like, know it's an Easter egg, yeah. but oh, I don't know. Um, and yeah, so we just go on and we see, you know, uh, the, the the droid had managed to get a message out to, to Brainiac. Brainiac's coming. Clark sees the ship arriving, and basically turns into Superman and goes up to to basically fight an army of of these cybernetic droids that emerge from the ship um and we've got what's a pretty cool kind of a battle there with 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 christopher reeve and these droids and kind of a a, a fight throughout metropolis and you know like unlike the films there's no budget here so they can do whatever they want and you have superman kind of flying through the crowds and taking on this army and the people are all cheering for him you know get him superman and all this kind of stuff and it does feel um, it it like i know you said they've no budget but it does feel mm-hmm. like something they could have filmed back then yes which i do like that, that's another point i was going to make and that is one of the pros that i liked about it there's no fight in this that feels out of place yeah. for from the films um, and one thing that I do like about it, I like the simplicity of it. I know I said it earlier, like I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with Mark Wade's world's finest at the minute. I find it too busy. It, there's too much going on in a lot of the panels. It's very overly complicated and stuff. I find this really, really kind of just nice, simple, easy to follow, you know, simple lines, just really, really enjoyable that way. Uh, and then we get another Remember Barry, but this is a good one that I liked a lot. Okay. Christopher Reeve does the Superman 2 cellophane S. Oh, yeah, I did like that, yeah. <laughs> that's really, like, that's that's top notch. And, and, I really enjoyed that. And look, at uh, what I will give this props, that this series props to is, it would have been so easy to say, no, Superman 1 and Superman the Donner, Superman 2, the Donner cut are the only things that are canon here. And I would have hated that. Whereas it seems very clearly here that Venditti is kind of saying, no, all the Superman movies that came out are canon. And this yeah. is, you know, the, and the cellophane S and all that stuff is definitely a part of this world. 
So I'm on. But that's how that. you do that well. I think. Yeah. I think that's how you do a remember barrier, remember barrier. Yeah. That's how you do embrace it. And I really enjoyed that one. But that's probably the first one that I was like, oh yeah, I really, I really like this because it was unexpected. I had to laugh. Yeah. I had to, I had to laugh then because it, I remember Jack O'Halloran telling us that he thought it was shit. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Like, and it is like it, like it is objectively a strange, bad decision to have that in the movie. But it's part of the movie, and it's the movie that we grew up with. And if you're doing a tie-in comic, you don't get to pick and choose. You, you know that that's that was real. We we saw it. I I saw it. I was there. Don't tell me it didn't happen. It happened. <laughs> And uh, then we get into, look, uh, d- d- there's a lot of damage. Superman being the Christopher Reeve Superman, not the Henry Cavill Superman, realizes that people are going to get hurt and the city's been destroyed and he decides to just drop down to his knees and surrender. Brainiac takes him away. Uh, you know, everybody's sad, obviously. Uh, he, he makes a deal with Brainiac. You Look, if you take me, do you promise you're not going to hurt the earth or do anything to the earth and everything? And Brainiac agrees. Next is my next biggest issue with the whole thing overall the whole series and we're probably getting ahead of ourselves a little bit but i'm just going to skip to it brainiac brings superman back to the ship and he puts him in a bottle one second now before he brings him back to the ship objectively my favorite moment in the whole series is uh lex arriving in a tuxedo uh mr brainiac professor brainiac i'm i'm not sure what to call you i'm uh lex luther Savviest criminal. I'm just, I'm just letting you know. I'm just letting you know now that you're 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 straying into Lane Smith. I am straying into Lane Smith. <laughs> yes, that's true. I'm Lex Luthor, savviest criminal cerebrum of our species, also Superman's arch nemesis. I humbly congratulate you on your victory. That's all. The, the only reason he shows up is to congratulate Brainiac on capturing Superman. Love it. Because you may take Lex him away, Luthor. Brainiac. <laughs> Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor is a Lex Luthor who knows how to network yeah. and the importance of networking. And he would he would show up to that scene just to gloat. I I've, I've I think I said in a previous episode, there's a scene in Justice League where Superman or in the cartoon Justice League in Hereafter where Superman has died and Lex shows up to mm. the the funeral and he goes you know this might surprise you but i miss him too no hate that lex, lex would show yeah. up and he would say he would wear a tuxedo and he would gloat at superman's funeral <laughs> he would dance on his grave so brainiac uh, brings superman up to uh, the ship and he shrinks him down and puts him in a bottle city and this is where i have my biggest issue with the whole story yes because for the first three issues i'm like oh when are they going to do something different and then they did something different. And I was like, oh, I wish they hadn't done that. Uh, so spoilers for anybody who, you know, this is the big spoiler. So if you don't want to listen to it, read it, come back to us. But Jorel and Lara or are in the bottle city that um, that Brainiac has shrunk uh, Kalel down and put him into. Uh, so the big twist here is that Jorel and Lara have both survived the destruction of Krypton. And have been living in the bottle city of Kandor or whatever city it is on the Brainiac ship. They haven't aged a day and they've been living there for the last 32 years or however long it is. And some people might love that and like it and see, oh, we get to see Christopher Reeve, Superman interact with Jorel and Lara and all that kind of stuff. And all I thought was is that it completely undermines Superman the movie and the sacrifice that they made sending their son off, you know, their own lives lost. Um, even Superman 2, the Donner cut, uh, if you wanted to take that in as canon with, with uh, Jor-El sacrificing his life force or whatever, his remaining life force in the crystals uh, to give Superman back his powers. Suddenly Jor-El is just alive again. 
and I hated it. Absolutely hated it. I really just thought it was a huge, huge misstep. And I would love to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I loved it. No. Um, so, yes, th- this actually feeds into my larger issue with the whole thing. Um, the Jor-El and Lara twist in this comic feels to me as like it's it's as shallow and as much of just pure shock value exploitation for shock value exploitation's sake as Superman killing Zod in Man of Steel. It's just the opposite thing of that. It's mm. it's just it's in there for people who are already fans of the material and weren't expecting this and here you go. It serves no emotional basis for where the character's at. There's no emotional payoff, there's no emotional journey. It's totally there for the sake of it and it just doesn't work. They don't pay it off. It, it reminded me of a quote from John Wesley Ship of all people. He was uh, he was talking about why he and this is nothing to do with the Flash. He was talking about why he left Dawson's Creek, right? So if anyone doesn't know, John Wesley Ship, who played the Flash, also played the dad in Dawson's Creek. And uh, in in but by the time they reached kind of season four, when the characters are kind of going to college, John Wesley Ship thought, do you know what? I don't want to be one of those dad characters who's standing on the sidelines when uh, Dawson is getting is graduating or whatever and I'm there going do you know what I knew you could do it son well done and yep. in this story there is literally a panel where Jor-El and Lara are standing on the sidelines while Superman is fighting in Brainiac going way to go Kal-El we knew you could do it <laughs> like it's just yeah. utterly utterly pointless and it serves no purpose like the relationship isn't developed at all it's totally no. in there for the sake of it it's there for people who saw the movies and needed to be shocked by something if you were not a fan of the movies and you landed in this comic and you read that, you'd be like, well, so what? What's this? It, it doesn't mean anything. And it's yeah. my biggest problem with this whole series. In six issues, there is no emotional journey whatsoever. None of the de- none of the relationships of any of the characters are developed. You know, there's loads of like little nuggets of things that feel like they might be developed eventually, but they aren't developed mm-hmm. in the six issues. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, well, you know, he just needed the initial arc to set it all up. This this story arc ends with Superman flying into space and smiling at the camera. For all intents and purposes, this is a Superman movie and there is yeah. no emotional journey in it. The worst Superman movies of them all, the ones that I hate the most, they all have one thing in common. They have an emotional journey. They have Superman starting at one point and ending at the other. This does not have that. Nothing develops at all. And that's that's the reason I was most disappointed with this story. That's my yeah, hand. And, and, but no, I don't like, you know, we disagree on, on a lot of stuff. And uh, I, I think you're 100% right. Um, it, it just it just felt empty. I think I think any book. When it comes out. That winds up taking away from the source material or the thing that inspired it has done a bad job. Yeah. And I think that's what the book did here in terms of Jorel and Lara and saving them. Like, I don't know, is this canon now? I don't know. Look, what what is canon these days? I don't know. Um, but like, are we meant to watch the Superman movie now and know that Jorel and Lara survive the explosion? Does that not remove all the impact of their deaths? You know, I I just really, really thought it was a huge, huge misstep. And I, to be honest, I'm surprised that they were allowed to do it. I feel like I, I actually have a theory about this. 
I feel like this possibly wasn't even Robert Venditti himself. I feel like there might have been an editorial edict from DC saying, you need to set these things up and you can't pay them all off just yet. Yeah. Like there's so many things set up in these six, six issues. The first thing I would say is they set up the idea that Superman believes that there is a good side to Lex Luthor and he believes that mm -hmm. he can be good, not paid off in this six issues. The idea that, you know, he loves Lois Lane and wishes he could be with her. Obviously, that's in so many Superman stories, not paid off in the six issues. And then there's, you know, the the feeling that while he may be from Krypton, he is fundamentally, he grew up in Smallville and that's who he is. That could have been a great character arc for Superman to go through in the story. Mm. It's it's relegated to a single panel in this in the series. I think Robert Vindy probably had all these ideas and wanted any one of them to be the story. But DC Comics went, no, do you know what? The thing that people like about those old Christopher Reeve movies is that they don't take themselves too seriously and they're just fluffy fun. And, you know, it's just everyone's just having yeah. a good time. And it's those Zack Snyder movies that, that they just take themselves too seriously and they have character arcs and they have, you know, all this stuff that people don't like when they read Superman stories. They just want good, clean, old fun. And, you know, just don't make it too complicated. And I feel like... It, it's that classic thing where people learned the wrong lessons from the Christopher Reeve movies. They don't understand that actually what we did like about them was that they did have a heart to them. There yeah. was a soul to them. And that's why they stood apart. And that's why they're so beloved to this day. The reason we don't like these newer Superman movies is that they muddle all of that when they could just make good movies. Yeah. You know, if if I was if I was to if I was to make a, a, a constructive criticism or if I was to say if someone was to say to me, how would you have approached this element of it? I presume it's Candor that that's um, that's taken. Yeah, uh, I possibly would have made it Argo City. Yeah, I was thinking that as well. Yeah, um, and have this as the introduction. Then Supergirl Kara is trapped in the bottle, powerless. This is where Christopher Reeve meets her, and then the next series could have been about him and her, or whatever, her coming to back to Earth, and them actually getting the team up that we never got, or something like that. Um, I would have maybe gone down that route. I I, I kind of think Jorel and Lara should be off limits um yeah i i that's actually a really and it's very similar to what i would have done um because i was thinking i was very much thinking argo city i was thinking zaltar peter o'toole's character mm -hmm. in supergirl i would love yeah. to see him play off against christopher reeve i was thinking the way you do this story is you definitely don't do jor-el and lara because there's no interesting dynamic there at all they just get on perfectly famously just like we've seen them in the movies already there's no relationship to develop there what you do is you take one of the kryptonian elders from the start of superman the movie preferably the one who says jor-el be reasonable and jor-el responds my friend you have never known me to be otherwise take that guy say that he was in the city of kandor and he's been bottled there for 30 years and he is stricken and overcome with guilt and he, you know, despises himself for not listening to Jor-El. We meet him 30 years later. And now Superman has to join forces with that guy to save Kandor. That would have been a way more interesting story. Because then you have a guy that's, you know, needs to develop, needs to, you know, have yep. a character arc, needs to realize that he needs to summon his scientific knowledge to save Krypton. You know, that, that there's so much yep. there that you could tell a story with. And my biggest problem with this is that it doesn't really tell a story. There's plot, 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 plot. There's Brainiac. There's shrinking cities. There's adventure. But there's no characters, you know. And the Superman movies, even the bad ones, had characters, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree. Um, it, it just feels the word that I would use is shallow. It just yeah. feels shallow to me. 
and especially after reading what kind of should be a throwaway comic like you put me on to the the superman and lois book and a prime example is the way that that lois lane is treated in one issue compared to this lois lane in six issues yeah where she doesn't there's not much to her here i don't think um like they do this thing where uh, obviously kal goes to krypton or goes to goes to the battle city and they have this whole thing where Jarrell basically announces that he's going to replace Jarrell and his role in the city. Mm. Now, Jarrell doesn't age. I don't know why he'd want anybody to replace him. It doesn't sound like something Jarrell would do. But Superman, Kal-El has basically decided that he's going to replace Jarrell on the science council or whatever it is. Um, and then we find out that uh, the real reason that Lex Luthor rocked up in the tuxedo that time was to put a little device on the back of uh, of Kal-El before he was taken up yeah and i like that he has figured out a way to use alpha waves to communicate with him I like that too and yeah really liked it i thought that was a great drawback uh brainiac is alert to the fact that a communication has been made um with uh, kal-el and decides that for whatever reason uh the, the earth needs to be the inhabitants of metropolis have been um basically uh what's the word i'm looking for i i i, uh, I think the idea is that he left the earth alone because he didn't see them as a threat but yeah. but now that he realizes that lex Luthor is as intelligent as he is that he's able to infiltrate his uh you know his sanctuary his his skull ship or whatever it is he realizes oh no wait these guys are a threat i need to bottle this city so that's yeah. why he returns to earth so superman the long and the short of it is that superman figures out how to return there's a big he says well he says goodbye to, to Jorel and says goodbye to Lara he's transported back there's a fight with Brainiac and yeah it's like it's fine it's it's it is fine but yeah I just I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't like oh my god I wonder what's going to happen in the next issue I wonder yeah. what, like with the Superman and Lois book if I found out that that was a series and that was the first issue in that series I would not be able to wait to get the next issue yeah. and see what they do next mm-hmm. um this I, I just didn't feel it as yeah. much at all. Like you said there, you have a panel here, there's a big fight going on, and you have a panel here where Jarrell and Lara are looking up through the glass, and they, uh, Jarrell says, you can do it, my little Kal-El. Like, okay. So what? Um. So, yeah, exactly. And you can see, like, it's kind of silly. with the, the You can see them, they're all little, and they can see a giant Superman fighting a Brainiac or whatever. Yeah. And and the last issue is, is basically just a, a huge slugfest between uh, Brainiac and Superman again it's it's nice it fits into the world uh, mm. you know there is kind of scenes that kind of hark back to superman returns where he lifts up the whole kind of city almost and that kind of thing yeah i liked all um, that we yeah. we get the guy in the street prepared to meet die doom and stuff from superman 2 we for some reason get the goonies in a panel a reference to the goonies we see that was um, nice fo- richard donner that was the nice oh yeah that's right sorry i completely forgot that um, we get the Goonies at the end. Superman is is lifting up Metropolis. You know he's under pressure. He manages to to drop it down. It's safe. Everybody thinks Superman has been crushed by the we, by the. We the see we see Lex and his super friends outfit, which is kind of fun. We Again, do. they had to do it. You know they, they yeah. were going to do. And it. I don't mind yeah. that. I don't mind that kind of stuff at all. Um, like the the closing panels where where Clark is in talking to Lois and Jimmy. We get the the bingo machine from Superman three and Love it. you know. Uh, and we get him flying off and swimming. He basically puts the this he, he defeats Brainiac. He puts the bottle city of Kandor into the into as well as the other cities into the fortress of solitude. He basically tells his parents he's going to work on freeing them, and he flies away, um, smiling at the camera. Um, 
yeah look I, I, I love the Richard Donner movies I love all four well I love the first three uh, movies the the two by Donner or one and a half by Donner and the one and a half by Lester or whatever and you know four has its merits and stuff um, like I said before the Christopher Reeve movies have affected me on a huge level mm. Um, I wasn't expecting Shakespeare or anything. No, but I was. I was expecting something. Just a little bit of a, wow, that was that was nice. That was Superman three that we should have got or yeah. something like that. And it just felt uh, the big things for me were Brainiac and the. I think what was the misstep with the with the with the with Jorel and Lara. Yeah, for me, like I think all the kind of the the plot was great. The Brainiac adventure was fine it was fun it was a little bit it was a little bit reminiscent of previous brainiac bottle city stories we've seen but it was all solid and all the lex stuff was good and like there was so much there that could have been great it's just that there was no emotional hook throughout the whole story and it just needed one so badly and i just don't see how they couldn't have found one in six issues like why not just cling on to one thing and make that the journey of the and story I, I think it's what you said I think it's what you said Rob I think they they wrote it and they thought oh the Christopher Reeve movies people love them because they're a little bit silly and yeah. they're a little bit campy and there's a huge nostalgia value so we'll just tell a story a, a, a generic brainiac story yeah. with that Superman in it and we'll bring back the big twist will be that we'll bring back Jorel and Lara Brando's Jorel and, and Susanna York's Lara and the fans will love it and we'll stick in a couple of panels that look like things from the film and we'll stick in some dialogue that sounds like things from the film and that'll get us through and yeah like that the the six issues of this book compared to one issue of the superman and lois book and there's a clear winner there and i know there's guaranteed i guarantee there's someone listening to this going oh you're 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 treating those old movies too seriously they weren't as good as you think no they weren't they were full of flaws they're really silly yeah they weren't great like some of them even Superman the movie script isn't amazing but Superman has an emotional journey in it he starts the movie listening to Jor-El Jor-El says you, you know you, it's forbidden for you to interfere with human history and that conflicts with what Jonathan Kent tells him that you are here for a reason and he chooses to defy Jor-El that is his arc in that movie in Superman 2 he thinks that maybe he can reconcile his life with Superman with Lois then he realises that he needs to give up his powers he can't be both he chooses love over duty and then he realizes that he can't do that. It is his destiny to protect humanity. That is it, his emotional arc. Superman 3 doesn't really have an emotional journey. He turns evil. He turns good again. But uh, Gus I, Gorman, I don't know if I fully agree with that. I think like when it comes to Superman, he is the, the side character and, and it might yeah. be superf- superfluous, but it is about what what they what he says the article is about you know it is about him going home and can you ever go home and kind of see that girl again and you know to, there is something there but yeah you're, you're I, right I, I, I think it's, it's I think there are, much like this comic there are scenes where we see Superman have emotions mm-hmm. but I, I think his emotional journey in that movie is is kind of the flattest of the three only because I think Gus Gorman is the one who has the character arc in that movie he goes through the yeah. arc of you know oh well maybe I'll just be maybe I'll just you know steal a bit of money on the side then he trusts ross ross webster and he thinks oh well it's not me it's not my fault the the boss is doing it and then at the end of the story he realizes oh no i need to take responsibility for my actions or superman's gonna die and he does the right thing and that's an that that is a character arc and then superman 4 arguably the most significant character arc of the four movies he realizes you know throughout the course of the movie that it's not his place to interfere you know you can say that that his father was right yeah. his father was right you can say that it's kind of a shaky character arc but it's the most significant of the four movies every superman movie has a character arc. even superman returns man of steel batman versus superman they all have emotional journeys and character arcs 
this claims to be a Superman movie and it doesn't have a character arc. Yeah. And when I, I, when I got the books, I got them um, dropped down by post. I think every time the two issues came out, I got the comic book shop to send them down to me. And I was like, I can't wait to read it. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And then I was messaging you and I was like, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's not really taken off. And there's a lot of kind of throwbacks and stuff and I'm not really getting it. One thing that really kind of disappointed me as well that I have to say about it. I really didn't like the covers of the books. Now, it's a real superficial thing. Um, but there's no real good covers on any of the books. Like, I, I really didn't like the cover on the art. There's like this one here, I'll hold it up, is issue three or four, where there's kind of a an odd kind of looking Superman. Looks nothing like Christopher Reeve at the Fortress. Um, there's the, number two is probably my favorite. There's one where Lex is, is, is shaking Superman's hand and uh, Superman is looking very kind of suspect of Lex. W- through the door. What's it, What's your one criticism of issue two, though? The cover, Alan, can I ask to looking at it? Uh, Lex Luthor? No, this he, the Superman S is the like normal standard oh, DC right. Comics corporate Superman notice. S. And we know Wilfredo Torres can draw that S perfectly because you see it throughout the different stories. But in some panels, for some reason, it's just drawn as this like bog standard. Because the Christopher Reeve S is yeah. like really distinctive. It's it's distinctly yeah, from it's those kind movies. of yeah. It's looser. I, yeah. I almost describe it as it's kind of more wonky or yeah. But for whatever um, reason, they've just would he have done all the covers? Would would Torres have done the covers themselves? I wonder. I d- or would they have gotten someone else to do the covers? Uh, oh, just, maybe like, maybe he didn't do that one. Actually, sorry, apologies. Yeah. See, like they're they're just I don't I just found them like here's I'm just holding up number five there. It's just very generic. It's very generic. The, yeah. the cover that I liked the most was actually the the exclusive that um that uh jim and and jay and and martin and them organized for the motor city comic con mm-hmm. we were going to talk about with martin about the motor city comic con and superman and, and concert two events that he was at there recently um and they did a lovely comic book cover where uh, uh chris reeve is kind of holding up a motor city uh taxi cab very uh, similar to superman 4 mm-hmm. uh, it was an exclusive cover that they did for attendees of of that event which i think is the nicest cover of all of them by far mm-hmm. um Again, it's it's a very superficial thing. I just like covers. I like yeah. covers, oh, uh, okay. you know. Um, I, I, I will say, I think the cover for issue one, I really, really like. It's it's Superman uh, flying up in a straight line with the Brainiac skull ship in the background and Lois is kind of in the foreground and Brainiac and That's Lex probably is, the best one, to be fair. I really, yeah. really like that one. And I quite like issue four, where it's kind of uh, Superman and all the Kryptonians in the Bottle City and like you just see Lex kind of looking, looking ominously on over them and it looks just like Gene Hackman I, I, I kind of like that one I have to say um, is there anything else about it that you you want to you want to broach or bring up Um, I I mean just if I can end on a positive note again I think Wilfredo Torres's art is strong throughout all yeah. six issues I, I, I think maybe there's a touch too many kind of visual references from the movies but um, I think generally speaking it's really, really good. I, I, I think there's a good sense of movement through it. There's nice little Easter eggs in terms, not, not, not just Superman Easter eggs, but like Easter eggs that bring you back to the time in which the story is set, which yeah. I think is really important. Um, and then the only, the, the final thing I'd like to say, and I, I think I mentioned this before in our Christmas episode when the issues were still coming out. As, as many problems as I have with this series, I think... My main problem, the emotional journeys and all that, I, th- I think they plan on paying off on a lot of that stuff if the series continues, which I believe it is. Um, well, it's, it's basically been, there was a subtle announcement in the hard um, 
the hardback yeah. version of the book, the collected edition, where it says that Robert Venditti is hard at work on the yeah. volume two, basically continuing the series. And that is something, one of the, the big positives, just before I go on, one of the big positives I like about it is I think that their, their Superman and their Clark Kent are, are very true to the movie version of Superman and Clark Kent yes. from, from, yeah, from the show, yeah. from the from the film series. Um, the one thing I would say is I have wanted this. I said for a long time, why aren't we getting a Superman 78 like we, like we got a Batman 66 and you know, all that kind of stuff? And we have it, okay? Um, and I, even though it's not my cup of tea and I have issues with it and I have issues with the way it was written and stuff and, and things that I've mentioned already, um, I think that we should support it. Um, I think that comic book readers should support it. I would like to see more of the books. I would like to see the series continue on and maybe learn from mistakes that they made in the first series. Um, I I would definitely love to see more installments set in this universe. I have bought the single issues. I bought the hardback. When the digital is out, I'll buy the digital as well um, to have them at the at the push of a button. Uh, I, I would highly recommend that people, you know, if you're fans of the Superman 78 books, you know, buy them support them and hopefully we'll get more and hopefully we'll get better ones as uh, as it goes on yeah I've, I've mixed feelings i think i said something similar before as well it's 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 more like even if you don't like this creative team specifically support the book anyway because it shows that people want content set in this world this aesthetic of superman and i still mostly feel like that i just part of why i said that was <laughs> i hope this particular creative team finishes up in the six issues and we get to see other creative teams take over because in the Batman 66 book, uh, Jeff Parker did the first kind of crop of issues and Jeff Parker was great at those, by the way. Those are mm. great comics. But then yeah. loads of other um, loads of other writers and artists got to come along and do single issues or, you know, a couple of issues and things like that. And I would love to see that for Superman 78. Just loads of different writers and artists come along and, and give their hand at telling stories in this universe and introduce villains from the comics that, you know, weren't in the movies and do all the great stuff that the Batman 66 comic did. And I'd love to see it go for, you know, 50 or 60 issues and stuff like that. But I, I, I'd be less less keen on just seeing Robert Venditti come back and yeah do, do more and of this. I'd, I'd, I'd have to agree with that. I, when, I saw, when I saw the posts of, of what it said in the hardback about him continuing on, I was a little bit disappointed. I was hoping that there would be another team for the next six. Mm. I thought I was hoping this would do well enough to get another six and then you would have another team come in and see what they brought to it and see what the next team brought to it and stuff like that. So yeah, I I am a little bit disappointed because like I said, I, I, I found I found these six issues um very underwhelming, unfortunately. And I, I hate saying that because yeah. I love this universe. And you know? and, and this is just our opinion, like by the way. Like we we are not saying that this is a, a fact. Like you know, if you enjoy this, hats off and God bless you. And well done to the creators. I'm sure they put their heart and soul into it. Mm. And as I said before, I I suspect that there was a little bit of kind of editorial tampering in this. I, I, I think someone might may have said, no, you're not allowed to do that in six issues. You need to yeah. do it in 12. You know, that kind of way. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm not, I'm and not I know, laying the blame entirely on the writer. I think there was other forces at play here. Yeah, and the initial plan was that we would have had uh, Martin come on. I know Martin really enjoyed it and he would mm -hmm. have kind of balanced out the argument a little bit. But like I said, um, we'll hopefully get Martin on for, for another episode down the road. But yeah, um, overall rating wise i would give it maybe a two out of five i think i wouldn't give it much higher maybe 2.5 out of five but 2.5 out of five i think is probably fair I, I don't think i'd give it much higher than that i can't see myself going back to it very often like there are other 
like you know that I, I love the Secret Origins books and I love uh, the Superman Brainiac book and I know they're not set in this universe but they kind of have, a, have an aesthetic mm. of you know Christopher Reeve being featured in them and the art style and that uh, I, I would much rather read Superman Brainiac than go back and read the, these six issues I think that brings a lot more to it and that definitely has an emotional arc with the death of Jonathan and, and his relationship with Clark and stuff more so than, than these uh, this six issue series has um, I, I don't I wouldn't really recommend if I was talking to someone who's like would, would I pick up a Superman book or what Superman books would I would I like if I wanted to jump off and I knew they had seen the films I probably still wouldn't recommend this to them I think there is a place for stories set in this universe yeah. but I would like to see it taken full advantage of I would like to see you know what is Metallo like in the Christopher Reeve universe what happens when Lana Lang is working at the Daily Planet like she was at the end of Superman 3 and what does that do to the, the Clark Lois Lane relationship yep. in the Daily Planet you know I I'd like to see that. I would have liked to have seen something about that maybe um, I would like to see where the Clark where the Superman and Lois relationship progresses to past what we've seen on screen 110% and I didn't like there's not I'm 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 nowhere extra at the end of these six books than I was at the start of them like we haven't advanced anywhere except that we know that Jorel and Lara are alive and that they're now living in a bottle in the Fortress of Solitude besides that we're at we're exactly where we were at the beginning of the six issues before you open the first page and I I think that definitely shouldn't be the case there, there, you should definitely be further on there is a Superman 5 script written by Carrie Bates with Ilya Sarkind that ends with Superman and Lois deciding to forge a relationship in spite of what Jor-El told them in the Superman 2. Hmm. And the movie ends with Superman and Lois flying into space and smiling at the camera. Please make that into a comic. <laughs> that would be amazing, you know? And that, that has a reason to be. Like, that, that, that progresses the story. It develops the relationships, you know? Do that, please. Absolutely. Anyway, sorry. Um, to answer your question... I begrudgingly give this a two out of five. I want to give it a three. There's a lot of stuff I liked about it, but yeah. it didn't have an emotional hook. Two out of five. Yeah, I'll give it a 2.5. I thought, what I had said to you was that, oh, I, you know, I liked it a lot more than you did. I'll I, I, I kind of, I'll be in the middle. But as I spoke, I was I was definitely more on the negative than I was on the positive. Um, but I, I'll give the 2.5. I think it, it, it deserves the 2.5 at least. But look, um, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? I, I will say, though, you, you mentioned it at the start, the hardback VH, VHS cover, what a gift. What a beautiful little kind of tip of the hat to so yeah. many people's experience of this movie, which was watching it on a battered old VHS. Uh, yeah. I thought that's so cool. I'm going through a bit of a VHS renaissance at the moment. I'm digitizing <laughs> a lot of my old tapes, and I just thought that was so lovely. And I, I feel like they'll probably do something similar with the Batman one which is so great as well because that was another VHS classic. So hats off and hats off to Wilfredo Torres for his incredible artwork throughout the series. Absolutely. Um, so that is the end of this month's episode of All Star Superfan. Again, you can reach us at All Star Superfan on Facebook and on Instagram at All Star Superpod on Twitter. Um, we're at All Star Superpod on gmail.com. If you want to send us an email, like I said earlier on, we could really do with the reviews. Um, they'd really help us out. Um, we have a good couple of very interesting episodes coming up, Rob. Some more special guests, um, some friends of the podcast coming back on, Matt Truex, other people, um, Zach and that that we're going to have on. We have episodes lines up with them. Some very exciting stuff over the next few months that I can't wait to get into.
100%. And please, as Alan said, get in touch. If you didn't agree with us, let us know and let us know why. We would love to hear from you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, you'll find us everywhere. We're on Spotify. We're on Podbean. Tell your friends about us if they're if they're Superman fans. Um, the more the merrier. So thank you very much, guys. Uh, as always, stay safe, stay super and take care. Bye bye. I look at all the photographs and every girl's dream On every smile a memory of every place I've been Redheads, blondes, and Kubernetes loved every girl I found But I couldn't stick around too long I like to spread myself around They won't get me, me Me, me.